ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, here we go. Alright people of the Bizzlecast, welcome to Bizzlecast number 100, which is a great accomplishment. I've done way over 100 podcasts because I've got all the Bizzle TV commentaries and I've got a lot of quickies. I've probably done more like 150 or 160 published. I've, done, I've recorded over 200. They don't all make the cut, but I decided instead of doing the 100th episode about my first 100 episodes, I would make the 100th in first episodes about, uh, well, 100 episodes. Basically, the 101st episode is going to be a long, super fun, tons of guests, like at least a dozen of my friends and podcasters calling in for five or ten minutes and doing a, call, a live call-in show about what's going on with them briefly, but also their experience with the Bizzlecast and their feelings about it, and hopefully they like it. I know they support it, but they're all interesting cats. So for number 100, and the really, uh, the, like, let's be honest, the practical reason I'm bumping the uh, celebration of 100 to um, uh, 101 is because Brittany Howarth, Brick Girl, who's become my go-to girl with comic book movies, um, and uh, along with uh, Manny Goisman, who was with me for a long time and is awesome, and I really hope to have back soon, um, have really introduced me to the DC Comics. And w- once I saw Wonder Woman and started reading Batgirl and some other cool uh, Wonder Woman, Justice League comics, and so forth... I was like, okay, I, I need to take this seriously for the first time in my life, being a Marvel guy. And we had another amazing conversation. It was mostly about Comic-Con and what we saw at Comic-Con, what we heard about at Comic-Con. But even though it's a long discussion, we mostly talk about, at first, the Defenders, which we were incredibly excited about. And not just the awesome trailer, but the apparent very potent uh, and real chemistry between not only the main four, but the extended cast of the Defenders universe. And it's such a special thing. There's no way the show's not going to be good. And so we talk about a lot about Matt Murdock and Jessica Jones, as well as Iron Fist and Luke Cage and everything else going on. The main course, after that delicious series of appetizers, is about uh, the Justice League reveals, which... I mean, the, the Wonder Woman trailer, uh, the final Wonder Woman trailer, Rise of the Warrior, the Imagine Dragons remix song, is the greatest comic book movie trailer of all time. It might be the greatest trailer of all time in terms of both how it's constructed artistically, what it conveyed, and how excited it got people who were already excited. But the Justice League four-minute trailer is the fastest four-minute trailer of all time. I mean, it's so gripping. 
It looks amazing. You can totally tell that Joss Whedon made the trailer, but didn't make too many edits to the Zack Snyder vision. And so everyone is happy right now with how this is looking. Um, and Brittany and I cover all that. We talk a little bit about Marvel. We talk about our upcoming Batgirl uh, comic book uh, book club, which we're going to talk about more soon. But mostly we have the same great discussion that we've had and, you know, my best podcast with Matt is really the only thing I can compare in terms of just both deep, but fun and funny and humanistic and just goofy and philosophical and hilarious comic book related podcasts uh, that I've been blessed to do with Brittany. Now, we had a little tr- uh, sound trouble early on with the Australia connection, and she has kind of an iffy router. We had a little, we had a little um, issues with the first few minutes. So I'm going to lead directly into kind of the main part of the podcast cast where she talks about well she leads us into the defenders discussion and by the way we decided to do it chronologically the defenders were in hall h which is the main panel on uh friday afternoon all of saturday afternoon was warner brothers capped off by an amazing um appearance and of course the footage um including some secret footage from aquaman which the rest of us haven't seen but the four minute justice league trailer which i think is uh i mean i know i'm gonna love thor taika waititi directing ruffalo and hemsworth and the whole crew it's gonna be hysterical but there's something about the alien invasion and the way it's being portrayed in the Justice League that, you know, maybe just jibes more with me after all the comic books I've been reading. But in true Britney fashion and true Bizzlecast fashion, we end with a goofy story and we start with a goofy story. And the start story just has to do with the banning of comic books uh, attempt by one of the airlines for nonsensical reasons, which the TSA didn't follow. And then Brit's going to lead us into the main discussion. So I want to thank Brittany, um, her community NovaStream over in Australia. I want to thank my parents uh, for the 100th episode, especially my dad, who has contributed an amazing podcast and keeps getting better. Please, people, write in and talk about how great Papa Bissell is. His perspective is second to none because he thinks this nerd culture, which he's not involved with except through me, is great. And it's a sign of maturity and imagination among adults which is a rare thing among sort of older people who don't really get what's going on. But the fact that my, you know, great aunt and grandmother who are in their 80s at least loved Wonder Woman just shows the lines that are being crossed. So follow us into the Defenders, the the main course of the Justice League, which is just delicious. Jason Momoa, Aquaman, where's Ben Affleck's head at? Why is Gal Gadot so perfect? Is Ezra Miller annoying or hilarious? Who is Ray Fisher? What is the role of Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon? And just all sorts of nerdy comic book references along the way so thank you for following 100 episodes and i'm gonna take a a little bit of extra time to do 101 where i look back at the 100 episodes and what i've accomplished and what i still want to accomplish so enjoy this it's a little bit long i decided to release it as a single podcast i think otherwise i will change this intro a little bit and say i divided it but i have no problem with three-hour podcasts because you download it to your phone and you have the entire 
week to listen to it. And if you listen to 20 or 30 minutes here or there, it doesn't really matter. And some of our best observations come, you know, after the 90 minute mark and it just doesn't flow quite as well otherwise. And so I'm sticking to my guns. Thanks again to Brick Girl. Enjoy the podcast. And uh, here we go. So I'm not sure if you heard, but um, around the time of the San Diego Comic-Con, there was actually a ban, sort of ban, placed on check-in luggage and putting the comic books in your check-in luggage. What? So, <laughs> I know, this sounds ridiculous. Here so or the there? United Airlines, with you guys, United oh, Airlines. So this is straight from them messaging a customer who is asking oh, about Jesus. it. It says, very sorry for the inconvenience. The restriction on checking comic books applies to all airlines operating out of San Diego this weekend and is set by the TSA. While you won't be able to check the comic books, they will be allowed in your carry-on bag or personal items. And the person who's asking says, what about just regular books? And they're like, you're yeah, fine. Regular books are fine. You can check them in. And it's like, what the heck? Wait, what's the rationale for this? Like smuggling, smuggling books? No, because... It's um, the, oh, it's so heavy. The, the glossy pages of the comic book show up strangely on the x-ray machine. So really? they, all it means is that they have to take it off the thing and search through it. However, it was actually just a suggestion by the TSA. So the TSA said, well, no, we're not enforcing this. <laughs> I don't know what the United Airlines are doing. You guys are idiots. It's, um, it's fine. You can check it in. Oh, my so God. So United Airlines probably skimmed the safety briefing or something. And just put blanketed, no comic books in your check-in luggage, <laughs> which is insane. And what makes that extra hilarious is 95% of the time, it's the TSA making us do ridiculous shit and the airlines don't yeah. want to have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous because the amount of people that would have flown in for San Diego Comic-Con is insane. And to have that band where it's just like people go there usually just to buy comics and to find all these <laughs> wonderful things. Oh, gosh. Part of me thinks the TSA just wanted to win one against the airline. Yeah. <laughs> we got, we well, got one, did. guys. We got one, guys. We're the good guys in this situation. I imagine there must be tons of actual comic books going around the comic book conventions. I don't know. I've never been to one. Now, you've been to um, I've been the to Gold Supernovas. Coast. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've been to Gold Coast and I've been to uh, Brisnova, Brisbane Supernova a few times. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there are there are a lot of comics. Um, there's usually a giant stall. Like the biggest stall is usually just for pop vinyls. Mm. Uh, I got a really good one of uh, Batgirl, like the the fifty years of Batgirl comic book, which is great. Oh right, like, yeah. Some of the some of the really good ones are in there. Not just a Barbara Gordon as well. Some of them are yeah. Cassie Kane and Stephanie Brown. Yeah, you brought that um, under in the uh, Batgirl discussion. I Actually, certainly that was, did. <laughs> that was one of the few times I wish I could like. Doing YouTube YouTube videos, Brittany, is so fucking time-consuming and annoying oh, for yes. me. I wish there was like a, a mixed medium where you could have like a podcast with with visuals. I mean, that that would just be I think perfect. You can you can do that? Um, however, the quality of the camera on normal laptops and stuff isn't usually that good. But some gamers do that. Like I know um, there's one in Australia, I think called plugged in or something it, it was a it's a sub um gaming kind of thing is they started off by themselves i think they're based in sydney i'm not sure if they're still going but what they did is they chat and they do a video chat like we're doing but they yeah. just have the visuals of talking to oh. the camera oh no which that's is what unfortunate because it means yeah. i can't pick my nose while i'm chatting with you well uh, that's funny <laughs> that's funny you say that I, uh, because I, 
there, after our first podcast, getting ready for the second, I almost proposed trying to do at least some of it as a video chat recording. Mm. And then I thought better of it. Um, I'm also, I come from a music and sound background. And so I can literally look at a waveform and be like, that's me sniffling. That's me coughing. That's Brittany laughing. <laughs> like I can just see it in the yeah. waveform, which makes the editing very easy. It's like, it's for me, it's like looking at the ma- matrix. If you're Neo, you know what I mean? Oh, video dude. is like, a, cool. a, video is like a whole different world. You know, video is like, mm. you know, like have, being surrounded by Greek and Chinese people at the same time and trying to speak <laughs> Spanish or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, it's just ridiculous. I mean, you've seen my reaction videos. They're not like completely amateurish. Y- yours are way better and you guys spend way more time on it. Um, but, uh, you know, with software these days, it's not so hard to do like a short reaction video. But, uh, but anyways, it comes down to equipment as well. Cause I mean, like yes. it, for the same reason, like you have a really good mic and you have like, um, probably ways to block out outside sound as well. Whereas yeah. in relation to that, I have lighting and I have, um, I have, I literally have just put tape on the floor so I know where my chair has to go every time so I can slide oh, across and stuff. So it's just, it's just um, knowing the little, little yeah. tricks. So like at the same time, sound to me is so just out there. I just, I don't understand it. <laughs> Well, perhaps there's a uh, professional, uh, I scratch my back, you scratch scratch mine, whatever the saying is, (laughs) the thing going on (laughs) that we could do. Trade services for services, services rendered. Uh, But, uh, yeah, so. I had a transfer. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I was going to say, so I have resolutions for the next 100 Bizzlecast. One is more humor. Um, One of my favorite, me and my buddy Matt, who podcasted almost weekly for like a year and a half. Great guy, huge DC nerd. Most of our podcasts were like dead serious because we take this stuff way too seriously and we like get in fights about it and then apologize and then get in another fight and you know, like normal nerd stuff is what you're supposed to do, right? But absolutely. But for Deadpool and Batman v Superman, for completely different reasons, we were off our rocker. My longest podcast ever is still my BVS with him. It was like three hours and 20 minutes, and we just had such a blast. It's longer than the movie because we had such a yeah. blast. I mean, it started as ripping on the movie, but then it just became a way for us to make jokes. And we realized like, wow, we could make jokes on the podcast. This is great. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like yeah. planned jokes, you know, like we, we played, would you rather? And we said, uh, you know, would you rather, uh, well, I'll do suicide squad instead. Would, would you rather, uh, watch suicide squad 10 times in a row or get circumcised? It was like oh. something like that. And we're both circumcised already being Jewish, you know. So it's like, yeah, hey, yeah. get circumcised again, <laughs> you know. We were like comparing like bad movies to bad movies and like, you know, it was just a, it was a creative way and we ended up actually talking about the reason I'm bringing part of the reason I'm bringing this up. That was my first schooling from him about the cosmology of the co- the, the the cosmic uh, galactic part of the DC universe, which I knew nothing about until I saw Doomsday on the screen. I mean, literally nothing. I, I, in fact, I've been watching, we'll get to DC, I'm watching Steppenwolf videos, I've been reading Dark Side comment, uh, comics, I've been trying to figure all this stuff out, mm. and so we actually went deep into the lore at DC then, that was sort of the beginning, um, because that I, was also... I've got a would you rather for you then. Yeah, yeah go. Would you, would you rather Justice League, Avengers, Defenders... Or Team Thor. <laughs> what, be a part of? Yeah. <sighs> Who are you going to join? 
I'd say Team Four, but I haven't seen I haven't seen it yet. But because I want Jessica Jones and Kristen Ritter to be my best friend, it definitely is the Defenders. No question. Defenders, yeah. And Trish, I, I want be between uh, those to me as well. Yeah, I mean, I I talk about how like I would love for for Trish Walker and Jessica Jones to be my like platonic wingmen, you know, like yeah, go clubbing with those two, <laughs> you know. Like I just I love it. Um, and uh, why don't we just why don't we jump in there? Um, oh, also, um bookmark for for uh for later uh speaking of jokey stuff your girl uh mod um uh ah yeah mod garrett mod garrett and my girl allison hayslip like and supposedly like allison hayslip who i love is like they call her like the american mod garrett and they call mod garrett the australian allison hayslip and uh. um and uh also on that show they talk a lot about giant spiders and and stuff in in australia um but for the sake of yeah. getting into bizzlecast 100 as much as i love talking giant spiders um actually maybe giant spiders will come up um uh, this Are we talking was, Harry Potter here? <laughs> yeah, or or uh, Return of the King? Some franchise? Samwise the Brave? Yeah. Um, uh, I've never asked you that. Are you Lord of the Rings person? No, I'm not. I just I it's no. I'll just say no. <laughs> I just mean the book. I mean, have you read the book? No, I haven't. See, I think it's not my style. But at the same time, I've only been going off what people tell me. Yeah, I haven't well, it's actually only... picked it up. It's more like reading a fairy tale book or or something like that. I mean, it, it definitely may not be your style, but it's not because it's com- comparable to modern genres. Like modern fantasy is nothing like Lord of the Rings. He he, it's written kind of like they talk in Themyscira. You know, it's it's very high mythological language and lang- uh, languages. And he based you know he invented like thirty actual languages at Oxford f- based on Icelandic and Finnish and, and blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of description of nature and the environment. I mean, pages and pages and pages of it, uh, which can be very difficult to slog through and like so- long songs, pages, yeah. long songs and stuff. But um, I just didn't know because you, you're, I don't even want to think about when, when you were born. I mean, the Lord of the Rings movies came out when you were alive, but barely. Right. I mean, you were like, a, yeah, a well, kid. I was born in '94. Oh, yeah. Okay. That so I came like out the same age. year as Lion King. Oh, so nice. like the other the other day, I was like, Lion King is 23 years old. I'm like, no, it's not. It came out the same year as oh oh yeah oh exactly. I'm 23. <laughs> That's funny. I just did a podcast with my dad, and we were talking about ninety three, ninety four for completely different reasons. Because that's when like I hit adolescence, <laughs> and so we were yeah. talking about like uh, how awkward of a nerd I was in the teenage years. Okay. And speaking of which, the 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 comic book character that I had barely heard of, Brittany, that I never thought I'd fall in love with so much, and which wasn't even invented until two months before September eleventh, Jessica Jones along with Daredevil, one of the most beloved uh, Marvel solo heroes. After Spider-Man, Daredevil might be two, even in the comic world, actually, um, in terms of a, a, a hero mm. that spends most of his time solo and always has his own books um, and is super popular. I knew about Luke Cage and, and, and Iron Fist. Um, the Netflix series has been kind of up and down. Bizzlecast listeners, Britt and I talked before the show. We thought we'd kind of go chronologically uh, based on 
uh, Comic-Con schedule, um, which, uh, you know, you think me doing a nerd podcast for three years, this wouldn't have been my first time doing and trying to figure out Pacific time to East Coast time. I'm like, okay, if Gal Gadot gets on stage at 2.45 Pacific, <laughs> what time do I need to be watching my Twitter feed because I can't actually watch it live for some reason, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, the Defenders were the first big reveal. Um, do you want to maybe give our listeners, I'm sure they at least know what the Defenders are, just give a little, um, uh, you know, summation of, of what it was about, what you were expecting. Um, I don't know. I was I was kind of surprised that they got such a prime spot. But then once I saw the event, I was like, oh, that makes total sense. Yeah, well, I think it's good because it's a team that that aren't made up of gods or really big heroes, but they kind of take the mickey out of themselves, which is fantastic. A bit more than like what, for example, uh, uh, gosh, I've forgotten his name. Captain America's buddy with wings. Oh, Falcon, uh, Sam Wilson. Falcon, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know how he and Ant-Man kind of – yeah. mock each other a little bit in the name yeah they do that that's just what i think the defend defenders is going to be but jessica jones is going to be just caught call, like calling everyone out i think she's going to run the show which is fantastic and daredevil is just going to be like preach i don't know he'll try and lead the team and be like so preach. amazing and then jessica jones will be like nice ears they're horns <laughs> sure yep <laughs> i can just see iron fist being like the goody two shoes i'm the iron fist and jessica being like no you're an asshole <laughs> and just look it's Cage cheap back being, it's not it's <laughs> no i just wish she said it's cheap to like go along with it it's cheap no it's cheap it's cheap <laughs> kind of wish she would have said that yeah, yeah. no i like i like but it's yeah. not because it shows that she thinks she knows what she is you know <laughs> like yeah i know what it is it's not that <laughs> it's not she no i just uh i look forward to her because she's gonna be the drunken wisecrack and that is perfect yeah. I'll, uh, i look she's forward to it What's great is, you know, she has to drink whiskey because she's too strong to get drunk otherwise. And, like, yeah, even though she drinks whiskey, like, all 13 episodes of of season one, and thank God, season two in February. I, that can't come soon enough. Um, but mm. uh, she only gets, like, really, really lit, like, a couple times in the in the show, and it usually leads to plot stuff, you know? Um, yeah. So, would you get the stinger at, at the end of uh, the Defenders trailer, and she's just crushing it's been a, beer. a long week yeah <laughs> she's she's even though she's drinking she's like the most sober one there you know that's the that's the yeah. thing about jessica jones is like she drinks to be sober you know like like that's how yeah. both brilliant and fucked up she is you know she's unbelievably mm. smart and neurotic um and uh which yeah i love about her character because you it, you'd never usually see um a functioning female alcoholic like that Oh yeah, she oh, she's really a, she's is her a, own character. She's a day drinker. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't usually see that for a female character. So she's just yeah. so she's she's her own. You know, she's not cookie cutter. She yeah. you don't find anything like her. Yeah, it's like um, which I think is why her character is so attractive. Yeah, 
I mean, as in like a great story-wise character. Oh Although, yeah, you know she can be attractive as well. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> totally. And uh, by the way, I, I think that was a record. I only made it fifteen minutes before giving you your first preach in this podcast. <clears throat> but as soon as you said <laughs> Jessica Jones is the leader, it's like preach. Could be Matt used to preach. fight about that all the time. He's like, dude, Daredevil's the leader. I'm like, no, Jessica Jones is the leader. He's he's gonna try be the leader, yeah. but he's not. He's not going to be the leader. And Iron Fist is too much of a goody two-shoes to be a leader. He might want to be, but no, he's not going to be. And Luke Cage is just going to sit back, you know, arms crossed and like watch, pretty much watch it unfold and just be like, you guys know that Jessica Jones is just going to take the lead. Okay. (laughs) I think he wouldn't want it. Rather than just doing a trailer breakdown, I already did a reaction. There's tons of reactions, breakdown, Easter eggs. Let's go character to character and then talk about them mm. in the trailer in sort of what our expectations are going forward so we have to st- let's start with jessica there's no reason to put her off she's clearly the best and the most interesting amen preach um, yeah <laughs> um and by the way the whole day drinker thing i don't know what like weed smoking culture is like in australia i'm not i won't be too specific let me just say most people i know will at least occasionally smoke or, or, or yeah, mm-hmm. most of my close friends will at least recreational smoke, recreationally smoke occasionally. And then a few friends that just aren't into it and, you know, and never would, and that's fine. But then there's like that 3% that smoke like all day, every day, and are so functional. They're like artistic, you know, like photographers or, you know, travelers. Like I have like a couple friends who are like productive smokers. Have you experienced this? People that can just like be high all during the day and be as functional or more than most because i feel like that's like jessica is with alcohol yeah i just i think um my circle of friends i don't i don't know of that i don't come across it and i know that um although the laws are loosening over america about like uh weed and those sorts of um drugs as well but it's not it's not loosening up over here Hmm. so it's it's still quite strict and quite illegal there, it, it was totally illegal here a couple of years ago, and now they're about to open up yeah. the first medical clinic in my state, f- literally five minutes from where I was born and grew up, Devon, Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah. And I'm walking with my parents, who I didn't even have the courage to admit, you know, even though they knew I, you know, was an occasional smoker. Like, it took me a long time to admit it to them because they didn't want to know and I didn't need to tell them. But we, we have yeah. totally uh, uh, on the level relationship with them over the last number of years. And as soon as they told that to me, my first response was, I think I could get a card for that. And my dad, who's not a huge fan, but he's not super judgmental either, was immediately like, yeah, I think you could. I'm just, just he's like a can-do guy. Like he didn't he wasn't even thinking about it. It's like now that it's legal in his mind. Okay, sure. If if you know if your yeah. psychologist wants to prescribe it to you, then you know why not? It's it's a crazy thing. Yeah. And by the way, just to look back to get back to Jessica here, alcohol is way more dangerous. And I'm glad mm. Jessica Jones is an adult show because you wouldn't want kids seeing this awesome, beautiful, kick-ass lady drinking whiskey all the time <laughs> and not understanding that. I think, you know. yeah. I think the whiskey humanizes Jessica Jones, though, because what she's been through, what she's capable of, and the fact that she has murdered – I would assume she's probably killed more than one person under the um, uh, David Tennant's character, the Purple Man or something. I think really? she probably would have hurt or even killed a few more people than what we saw. 
And that sort of PTSD, I mean, that's the way that she would go. And I mean, that it's a realistic kind of character just in a super environment. So hmm. that's that's why I think it's such I never a, considered that. Pivotal pivotal point in her character. So wait, hold on. It's hold how on, she hold deals on. with it. You're saying she? You think she has killed more, or that she would have if the situation? Because by the way, part of the reason she kept not killing him was because he had so many other people mind controlled to kill themselves if he didn't return, and yeah. so she had to at, get him to a point where at the very least, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she would have really hurt people under his control. Hmm. At the very least, because it's either um, Luke Cage. Cage's wife, either that was the first person she'd killed, or that is the the first person that really hit home, that it's like I can't, I have to break, I have to break from his control so, and she probably is terrified of hurting people, like I mean, to, just to take it to a bit more of an adult oh, you mean accidentally, she couldn't you mean, you mean, she, it, well, you, I, she has such a, because well, she's you never been she murderous, up, she I mean, they specifically no, had the, the character. They specifically had the character of um, mm. Will to be th- the guy trying to kill bad guys, and she was stopping him from killing bad guys. Yeah, and I don't think she would have ever intentionally, but at least she would have physically, accidentally I hurt gotcha. someone. I, sorry, no I way following. she would have gone through high school without that. I mean, she yeah. broke the um, the the sink in her bathroom. But if you also look at it, she's she can't. Luke Cage was the first person as an adult that she could have been with sexually and it not have not been broken. dangerous. Yeah. And I know like this, yeah, this is going into like a more adult uh, territory of discussion. But I mean, she, imagine that though. She couldn't really be close with anyone before. She couldn't yeah. really be close with anyone. Yeah. And so that would also be emotionally hurtful. And so there's so many different reasons why she would be an alcoholic. And because of that, it's not just – it's a well-thought-out character plot point. Absolutely. And I think that's intelligent, and that just shows the level of understanding of story writing for the writers of these shows. I mean, look, if you can tell that that's a brilliantly written and characterized show, then I just feel sorry for you. There are some Jessica Jones yeah. haters out there, like honest nerds who have her well below anything else that's ever been put out with comic books. Usually they say things like, I just don't get it. And at least they're being honest, you know? I mean, yeah. it, it, it's... And I think that's... Yeah. I think that's fine because there are people who absolutely love Suicide Squad. And although I can beat it down all day, I think the fact that there are people out there who love it, who think it's a fantastic movie, I think that's great. Okay, so when I was Facebooking mm-hmm. you earlier, well, whilst my student was doing an essay, so I was on the computer, and I had to come up, we needed to come up with an example. I was like, well, what's a movie, like any movie that you just watch a lot? He's like, Suicide Squad. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. I mean, you know, I was yeah. just wasn't expecting that. I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but my point is, part of my alienation from nerd... Uh, culture comes from the fact that even though male nerds in this country, again, this is huge generalization, but I'm just talking about, you know, the, the, the masses tend to be smarter than most and tend to be more liberal and progressive than most. Still, when it comes to women, it, our 
so blind on, on sexism. You know, I mean, it, mm. it, it's they're not trying to be. They think they're going out of the way to not be sexist, you know. Um, but it just it, it's so it's so subtly ingrained in the culture. But that aside, even if you just don't like the show, think about how many firsts that show had. Rape, yeah. check. Any sort of hardcore sex scene, check, 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 check. You know, uh, like. Mm occasional f-bomb <laughs> check i mean it, it, and by the way i think the first i have the comic right near me here i gotta find it the alias comic i think her first world is her first word is fuck in the comic <laughs> i think that's just like the first word that comes out of her mouth um and, you know and so to be so socially relevant and yet it actually beats you in the face less than most comic book movies despite the serious yeah. subject matter because it's just so human right yeah, I mean, there was just, there, there was something about Jessica Jones that despite the, the difficult and at times depressing and hard to deal with subject material, because it was so human and naturalistic and how it was sort of acted and presented, it, you know, it, it felt way less oppressive than Civil War or BVS or those kinds of things, which mm. seem to be doing, talking about such huge issues. But it, it, you can't connect with it because of just the scope and the lack of time. When you have a story like Jessica yeah. Jones, and I think that's how we can start tying in some of the other characters, is that with the 13-episode thing, you really can spend more time with them. Yeah. With Jessica Jones, though, the best yeah. thing about her story is that she had to be the hero. No one else could really save the day because she was both she was a victim in this, and no one else no one else was getting involved if she let someone else involved they were going to get hurt and that's why she said i can't have um to to the nurse i can't have your friend getting involved because if he's as good as you say he is david Tennant's just going to take over yep so it's kind of like she had to be her hero there was no i must do this alone for reasons it's my business but no she actually had to do it alone yeah and that's why that's why Kilgrave was the perfect. She's the perfect hero and the perfect Kilgrave, villain combination. That's her name. Yeah, I mean yeah. That, that was the perfect hero villain combination. And I think that the big, mm. the only problem this Jessica Jones show has going for it because I got tons of talent and people who want to be involved and obviously an amazing cast. The only problem is I don't know how you top David Tennant as Kilgrave because that is so true. Her entire origin story. It's the only thing close in Marvel is Thor and Loki, and the fact that you know Loki's intricately tied into everything about. About Thor's origin story and vice versa, yeah. um, but uh, can you, I, yeah, I can't think of any other examples. I mean, it, 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 I reckon yeah. it would be interesting to look at it like she, maybe there's a residual, almost like the start of season one, where um, although Kilgrave is dead, perhaps he has left a thumbprint on her mind, mm. and he's still there in her in the corner. Oh yeah, you know, just like. Yeah, just like a heavy cloud just following and she can't shake it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, that would be interesting and it would definitely cause some distress in whatever villain she faces next. I mean, she's distressed at the end of the season. I mean, she's just saved herself oh, yeah. and the entire city and the, the end shot is her just like with her head on her desk basically. Um, because yeah. she still had to snap this guy's neck as horrible as he was and mm-hmm. she was... 
you know, he made her, the thing is Kilgrave sort of won in the end because she mm. now thinks that she has all of this blood on her hands. That's not hers because of her association with Kilgrave. And so he yeah. used that to manipulate her. Right. And she of co- ultimately did the same thing back to him, but just a little bit better. So she could snap his neck, you know, in like yeah. the one second window is so brilliant. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Did you feel like the, the, the Jessica Jones uh, season had ups and downs because for me i love all the episodes but i know some people even who like it think there were some like dead spots i think um i i really did enjoy it i kind of struggled with her friend i wasn't really that much of a fan of her and then her boy toy as well it's kind of like mm-hmm. what you don't like trish walker get out yeah i didn't re- i did she's really, australian in the really flawless click. american I just, accent like, <laughs> well that shows just i'm not biased did you know she was australian I think she's Australian. Uh, no, I didn't. I, I didn't. I'm pretty sure she is as well. I, I think I've heard that on the grapevine. Oh, uh, see, that's that. See, that's what locked it in for me. Their friendship is my one of my favorite things on television. I love their friendship yeah. personally, but that's interesting. But I think the um, the relationship between Daredevil and his receptionist is probably more interesting that's in that he thinks say. she's so. I must protect her, and she's like. I'm investigating this. I'm pretty much a lawyer without a law degree. And look how 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 much I get involved in. And Daredevil has no idea. Yeah. Matt Murdock has no clue. And I think that's a more interesting relationship. So let's let's pivot to um, Daredevil. Uh, I somewhat disagree with, with with both of your opinions on that one, but that's totally cool. That's oh, what wow. we're here to do. Um, but uh, um, uh, with Daredevil. Uh, <laughs> I love Charlie Cox. I think the show can be slow at times. I think they all the shows can be really slow at times, but that's just a bias I have oh, against drama on yeah. television. Uh, yeah, and that's why I don't watch mm. that much TV. Um, because I don't like shows that are fast just to be fast, but, but you know, slow paced shows I really like Breaking Bad I have to just absolutely love. Um, what's interesting about Daredevil, he's like Batman in the memorable villains, you know, and, Vincent D'Onofrio, and then you got the Punisher, John Bernthal, who's getting his own season. Now they showed he was perfect. He's amazing. They showed a small clip that we're not allowed to see, and we should talk about at some point why they decide to show us the full trailers, but not these little behind the scenes clips. Um, And they're very hard to get a hold of, and everyone has to like lock their phone away, and you know it's a whole it's a whole ordeal. But anyways, and Charlie Cox was great as Daredevil. I didn't love the uh, Foggy and Karen. In, but I, it wasn't the characters. Oh, I didn't like Foggy. Yeah, it, it wasn't the characters. And Karen did get better when she was with the Punisher, and that's why they're uh, putting her on the Punisher show as like the secondary lead, basically, as Frank's mm. conscience or whatever. Um, I think Karen's going to have to take over the uh, <laughs> the night nurse role once they off uh, Claire oh, Temple, no. who was yeah, very much not at Comic-Con, just saying. No, Rosario Dawson was interesting. Well, neither was Henry Cavill, just saying. And we pretty much know yeah, he's going to be in What Justice are League. they... Have you seen this thing about the mustache? They're going to have to they're going to have to CGI <laughs> his mustache out because uh, of the reshoots and he has to keep the mustache yeah. for this fucking Mission Impossible movie. God, I hate Tom Cruise. I really hate Tom Cruise. <laughs> 
couch jumping weirdo. <laughs> People are like, oh, they're gonna like put like green paste on it, you know? Or like, can you can you imagine Henry Cavill like in, in person wearing that ridiculous costume with like green gel on his mustache, trying to walk around to have a conversation well, with hey, Batman? Hey, it kind of links back to the the Batman television show. How the guy who played the Joker refused to shave his mustache, so he just had white face paint, a red smile. And you can see his mustache just covered in paint. Oh, that's so funny. But, like, are they hiding Henry Cavill from us? Like, I mean, clearly they are, but are they paying him to not make public appearances? It's it's bizarre. Um, mm. This is, like, this is either going to be the most brilliant uh, uh, stunt that, like, one of these major studios has ever pulled, or it's going to be, like, just absolute destruction. <laughs> and- I would love for him <laughs> To not actually appear in the storyline, but to appear after credits. Like Mark I think it would be really cool just to sleep. see how they take down the yeah. big, you know, intergalactic threat yeah. without their big player. And then what would come next? They, they did the same thing in The Force Awakens with Mark Hamill, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we knew there wasn't going to be much Luke Skywalker, but to not see him until literally 20 seconds before the end totally worked for me and for most people here at least yeah. because the rest of the movie was so great and, and you know Han, Han and Leia needed the rest of the movie they couldn't have Luke in there with the new characters it just wouldn't have worked yeah. um, and now they got mm-hmm. rid of Han and unfortunately well the good news is we are going to see uh, Carrie Fisher on screen I, you know how a lot of women talked about crying during uh, Wonder Woman, at least over here. Like I, I'm going to be crying. I oh think, yeah, I cried when I oh, see I'm Carrie, cry Fisher. With Carrie Fisher. Yeah, when I see Carrie Fisher, I, I'm going to really cry. I'm not even like a huge Star Wars fan, and her significance in the Star Wars and like, okay, so I used to think um, Carrie Fisher, token, she's her character Leia, totally a token female, but that was only because I hadn't properly watched the original yeah, film. No, and I watched them as an adult, and I'm like. She is not a token. She, she does everything. A very she good does character. everything. She's the military leader. She's the political mm-hmm. leader. She's the economic leader. She's the bravest. She's the smartest. She's their best fighter. She's a princess. Uh, she's Wonder Woman. I, I mean, love seeing the photos of um, my favorite princesses and now generals. Yes. So it's Princess Leia and then also um, from yeah. the Princess Bride. Yes. Who's become the general of the Amazonians in yes. Wonder Woman. Yep. That would be... Um, uh, Robin Wright as Antiope, mm-hmm. yeah. Who? But um, it, we've gone yeah. way off topic. <laughs> well, this is good though, because we, we're very excited about the Justice League stuff, so we're going to tease it. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to spend most of the time on Jessica and, and Daredevil because I just haven't watched most of Luke Cage and Iron Fist. But I do have a couple thoughts. Anyways, I, I, for me right now, the look of Daredevil and the concept of it is still ahead of the quality of it for me. I I do really like the first two seasons. I think I've watched the first one twice, Mm. but I have some differing opinions. I don't love Karen. I I love Elektra. I know a lot of people don't like... I don't like Elektra. Yeah, Matt didn't like Elektra either. Yeah, She feels straight out of CW. I mean, she looks like she could be on Arrow. They even dress her like she's on Arrow. It's bizarre. Um, Mm. But I just... There's there's sort of a... (sighs) otherworldliness to her it, but she's still very earthy at the same time um okay did you not like her because you like the actress or because you felt like she didn't have agency the show so far had been so kind of it kind of although they were a bit out there they still made things um seem possible 
but Electra didn't feel possible to me. And it was the same thing with Luke Cage's. Um, really? Even with the hand film? and everything that the Asian lady can do? I mean, they yeah, can- the, the, well, I really liked um, Gao. Lady mm. Gao was great. I loved her. Madam Gao. Um, I felt that Kilgrave was made feasible, like possible, and I liked that. Iron Fist, I wasn't really that much of a fan of because a lot of the stuff I was just like, uh, okay, I mean, like, not really, not really, I don't know. It's not, to me, they haven't made it possible. It doesn't feel like this could happen. And just, well, then I, I don't know. You're really going to have a like, problem with the Defenders <laughs> because her being a super weapon of, of, uh, of, uh, uh, Sigourney Weaver is, you know, kind of like the main th- thing. I yeah, think. Yeah, I know. But I feel like I feel like I'm gonna love Sigourney Weaver. Yes. And then I think I think it's really just maybe I thought she was over the top. Maybe that was it. I had didn't. I watched it once and I just remember not liking it. Here's and the I don't thing. Know, Here's I, the thing. I can't remember why. If you or if you think about and, and hold on to Electra as Electra, yes, it feels over the top. But when it's just her interacting and flirting with and confusing Matt Murdock, I thought they had great physical and emotional chemistry. Um, I don't know if people want Karen and Matt to end up together or or something. Oh no, I don't want that. But I I do. I just thought that Matt's conservative Catholic, um, you know, um, you know, he cuts off everything that he says and he talks very precisely and her kind of just like suave, wealthy, English, worldly, you know, says too many truths and some of them aren't even truths. Like, I I just thought she did a great job of that. Once they just turned into a super weapon, the whole series, I think, stumbled um, at at that point. Yeah, because it's just, it's it's such a Marvel thing when people don't actually die. I mean, heck, they did it on um, Iron Fist as well when they killed the dad. And he wasn't actually dead. Well, I'm totally fine with this because they barely tried to hide it. And they this was always planned from the beginning and fr- is from the comic book. So this particular one, because they were pretty open about the fact oh, okay. they weren't killing her. Yeah. Yes, it's done a million times. And, you know, yeah. Wolverine's going to come back to life. I mean, everyone comes back to life eventually. Um, but uh, Yeah, and I think that um, they kind of addressed it a little bit. And I feel like it's sort of a cop-out, but kind of works a, a bit more with a Groot. In that, when he died in the first uh, first movie, he actually technically this new Groot isn't the original Groot. It's actually, it's an offspring, pretty much. Yeah. So that kind of absolved, I guess, that idea of he's died, but he's not really dead. But Marvel needs to have more consequences. Yeah. I think they need to be, and we're gonna see it in um, Infinity War. Yeah. They gonna die. Yeah. Captain America going die. Well, I, I don't. I, th- I think we can point the finger at all comic book movies at the moment, other than Logan. I mean, Superman was like that was the fakest death ever. Um, oh yeah, but Everyone uh, knew he's gonna come back. Th- this is a big uh, look. But I, I've been wanting to do a, a themed podcast with you, but I've been having trouble c- putting the words together. So I'm just gonna put it in the ether now. I want to move on to the other defenders, which is about death in comic books the obsession Mm. with death but also the obsession with not killing even the worst serial killers even when you know that they're going to probably escape again and again and continue to be serial killers that that you wouldn't even think about stuff like i think we do a whole podcast on that go ahead it's such an interesting discussion because it brings in so many theological debates because if you kill that person you are in turn um 
enforcing your own justice and your own law and what makes you as a vigilante above the law when you're trying to uphold the law as a vigilante. So you're pretty much going back on what you're trying to do unless you are like a government official, but then you're not really a vigilante. And then just an interesting theological discussion. And I think for me, the most brilliant thing that Christopher Nolan did on sort of a philosophical or theological level was convey the fact that he wasn't going to focus on whether killing was right or wrong. He was going to focus on what it was doing to Batman's soul or what Batman's saw his soul, right? Mm. And that's so Jessica Jones, right? Like, mm. I, I think she doesn't want to have to kill Kilgrave. I mean, she really tries to n- not do it for a while, you know? Um, and, but I think when she kills him and what we're going to see, the fallout, especially in the new Jessica Jones season, is the fallout of having committed murder, even though it was completely warranted and she saved tons of lives because of it, you know, what, what that does mm-hmm. to you. But I agree. Yeah, you, you get totally obsessed with that. Um, and so... Uh, I really want to move on to Iron Fist and Luke Cage because even though I know the least about them, that's actually why I'm the most excited for them. Um, yeah. Just really quickly, because I, I don't want to cut off any Jessica Jones and Daredevil stuff. We agree that Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones is amazing. We can agree on that. Perfect. We can agree that yeah. Matt Murdock, as, uh, played by Charlie Cox, is amazing. He's very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's gotten better, by the way. I mean, he, you could tell between the seasons and in, in the Defenders clips. The thing is, he's just needed someone like Kristen Ritter to, to bounce off of. I think he's yeah. going to go to a whole new level. That's why the I thought Mike Coulter was yeah. better in Jessica Jones than in Luke Cage because she had Kristen Ritter. Yeah. yeah. That Daredevil created for this season is the hallway fight sequences. And you see that across like every season that each of them get a, a fantastic fight scene. Like he had um, when he was trying to rescue someone who was kidnapped, the very first one going up and down that hallway, yeah. disappearing into doorways, coming back out. And the camera didn't follow him. It just kept gliding up the hallway. Yeah. And then you see Luke Cage when he's trying to, he's busting into the gang um, money center. He goes in there. There's his one. Um, I think Iron Fist's one was... And it was in another hallway when they were kidnapping his friend. But yeah, you see it across all of them that they each get a fantastic fight scene. And I love how Daredevil brought that as like a little stamp of these are the defenders. Okay, here, here's what I think we should do. I, I wish this had come to me earlier. Are you in front of your computer? I certainly am. You have a web browser open? I certainly can open it. All right. Why don't we do, we'll do a running, we'll talk over the, the Defenders trailer. We'll, we'll mute it. We'll start it. And then we can just, and then you just talk and then we'll just talk over it because there's a couple yeah, sure. things specifically with Iron Fist that I want to ask you about. I've always wanted to uh, try this. So number two, I do this on I my solo on podcast a lot when I'm doing stuff. Like I'll, I'll bring up clips and uh, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, cool. So I've got it open. Okay, hold on one sec. Here. She beat me. She's good, guys. I told you, Brick Girl. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> You're too busy talking. I'm too busy talking and looking at the very first YouTube recommendation, which is uh, Henry Cavill and a mustache. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even I didn't even choose that. It cho- it chose it for me. It chose you. It the chose one me. doesn't choose the master, Harry. Yeah. He oh, wait, is the other way around. 
he is <laughs> devastatingly good looking. I will give Henry Cavill that, if nothing else, he is devastatingly handsome. Yeah, but I think Jason Momoa beats him. Oh yes! By, uh, oh man! Um, by just every. I, I was ready to like get made love to by him after his performance at Comic Con before realizing what was going on. I was like, "What? What just happened? Oh my god, that guy!" How um, amazing uh, is okay? Jumping ahead, uh, but yeah, well, the announcement yeah, of Flashpoint. I, 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 all I'm going to say to tease the last thing I'm going to say, hopefully, until we get to DC, is Gal Gadot plus Jason Momoa. Period. I'm not saying anymore. Oh. All right, here we, here we go. <laughs> right, are you ready? ready yeah, three, yep. two, one, go. All right, so this is New York, obviously. By the way, they, you know how expensive it is for them to film in New York and not Atlanta, where everyone else films? They really have to film it. Yeah. So do you think this is just going to be a, um, a Sigourney Weaver, you know, I'm a giant CEO, but a mustache-twirling bad guy? Okay, here, right here. Is this Danny Rand's corporation that he's trying to take back, and that's why he's so I pissed? Think- I don't think it's this corporation. It doesn't look like the same building, but um, it's definitely going to be that stamp hallway fight scene. I think is going to be amazing. I don't think she's even going to be faking not being a bad guy. She's straight up telling them. Yeah, you know, both sides think they're right. I love this, by the way. I love when um, this, so, this whole this Chinese Daredevil food is just scene. like he doesn't have pork. This <laughs> guy has pork. This guy has pork. And Jessica Jones is like he's such a weirdo. <laughs> it's great. Like. Who who owns this place? Who owns this Chinese restaurant? Well, if, if any, oh man, that Iron Fist shot. Oh, was, oh Jessica Jones oh, getting Jessica caught. Jones. That is my favorite <laughs> shot. Just saying. She is the best at the physical comedy. She's the best at the one liner. The Iron Fist yeah. was looking. I think they show more Iron Fist in this trailer than the whole series uh, first season, from what I understand. Okay, so people really like Colleen Wing. I did not. Hey, that's that guy back. They're just going to have a bit roll with Trish and Foggy in them. Um, but did yeah. you did you like Colleen Wing in, in Iron Fist? I didn't watch enough of it to get a sense. People seem to really like. Yeah, her. I thought she was cool. Yeah, yeah, she had a great um, a great inner struggle in that she was raised by the Hand and thought that it was great, and then she all of a sudden saw that there's a lot of the Hand that she didn't know that it wasn't actually perfect. It's the cult situation. Yeah. Another great fight scene. Oh, the fights look so good. I love the one. Coming I love up. that. Oh. Yeah. I find it hilarious that Matt Murdock, he has a suit. No one else does. And I think the closest to the suits is, um, apart from Matt Murdock, is Luke Cage and that he has the yellow and green. So, <laughs> yeah. and no one else, no one else, like Jessica Jane refuses to have a suit. And I'm so glad she does. Oh, no, that's, she never has had one in the comics and she'll never have one here. Oh, the Iron Fist mm. punch where he just punches everyone with the one thing. <laughs> okay, look at this right here. Is he... <laughs> So he goes, I'm, he goes, I'm not going to hug you, I think, he says, right? Yeah. I, 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 yeah. is, is that an outtake where Charlie Cox is trying not to laugh? Because he... It might be. Yeah. It looks like it's like a little bit of a, a chug, improv. Chug, 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 <laughs> chug, 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 It's been a long week. Oh, uh, so good. You know, she's nothing like that in real life, by the way. I follow her religiously on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. She's like, she has a little cute dog and she knits and she writes like romance novels. <laughs> and like, that's her life, you know? And she drinks I wine. I love... The best thing, one of the best things I've seen of her is the photo with her and Melissa Benoist. The fact that mm. they are proving you can like both things. Yeah. You can like Marvel and you can like DC because it's just, I, I, okay, I love to tease them against each other. I love to, you know, pick apart Marvel just, just to play devil's advocate. 
But no doubt, Marvel is great. And you can see that in the trailers, in that the Thor Ragnarok trailer is beating the DC's Justice League trailer by 5 million views, I think. So you can, yeah, I, I'll give that. I mean, like, sure, they can they can win this one. Oh, we forgot uh, Carrie Ann Moss. Please tell me you like Carrie Ann Moss. She's amazing in Jessica Jones, I think. Okay, which character does she play? Trinity from uh, from The Matrix. Oh, she's the lawyer. Yes, no, she's yeah. great. I do like her. I like how she pops up across the place. Well, because she was. I find it interesting. She's one of the most underrated, yeah. uh, big budget female superheroes ever. The Matrix isn't a traditional comic property, though it was made into a lot of comics. Um, but Trinity, as a female superhero, like for me, is right up there with Sigourney Weaver and Alien and and stuff like that. I mean, you know, she's yeah, and it's and it's been like parodied a lot i mean heck her signature move of like freezing with her legs kind of bent yeah. is, is straight up just copied in shrek also no one has hilarious. been able to pull off this full scorpion kick that she does where she kicks behind her head without bending over like her leg gets, she oh, she kicks okay. backwards and ends up kicking the person in front of her like across her shoulder without even moving Think of think of a scorpion swinging yeah. their tail up. I mean, that's so ridiculous, you know. And she had such her own style. And so the fact that you know she's kind of handing the baton off to, to uh, Kristen Ritter a little bit, and uh, mm. they saw Wonder Woman together on opening weekend, and posted a photo that was adorable <laughs> of the two of them. I mean, the fact that we have Supergirl, Wonder Woman, and Jessica Jones right now. I could not be more thrilled. Uh, we will be talking a little Miss Marvel later. We're not quite there yet. So, okay, let's wrap on Defenders so we can get to the, the get real meat here. Um, I'm mm. just going to say I like Mike Coulter in Jessica Jones. I was very skeptical at the time that he could hold his own series. He's not a bad actor, but for 13 one-hour episodes of television, he's not charismatic and compelling enough for mm. me to get all the way through it, at least in one or two sittings. And the, I found yeah. well, I gonna, Misty Knight was really yeah. the attraction for that series. She was so cool. And, and that's why I'm planning on cherry-picking some of the higher-rated episodes and just watching it for the, you know, because mm. I, I love Mahershal Ali as well. I mean, he's like a huge superstar now. Mm. Um, and uh, a Cottonmouth. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. The, but, him yeah. and the the uh, the mayor, yep. female mayor, great villains. The final uh, Luke Cage's half brother, I couldn't care less about that villain. But yeah, the other two villains were phenomenal. They were great. I find it funny. The television shows have phenomenal villains. Yeah, no, no, we talked about this the really. Movies, yeah, as they're lagging behind, which I think is interesting. No, this came up organically. I think last time, and we were like. Man, comic book movies have big villain problems, and they were like, except for Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. <laughs> I mean, seriously, between you and I, like those were like the first three comic properties that came up. You know, yeah. Um, even some of the Arrow, some of the Arrowverse, not all, obviously, some of the Arrowverse villains are better than the movie villains, and for both studios, some of them. Mm. Um, especially if you count like his mom at like Oliver's mom as a bad guy, you know, like, Yeah. for example, I think what I miss with arrow though, is that back in season one or two, they had the doll maker and he had kidnapped Laurel Lance. And that was, I, I remember thinking that was such a phenomenal episode and it went so dark and yet they haven't gone that way again. And I think that's so disappointing, but yeah, but that's, that's arrow. That's, <laughs> 
Oh, man. Stephen Amell. If I could look like one dude, I would want to look like Stephen Amell. That would, I think. Not that even would be. Jason and Momoa. Okay. I, I don't, I couldn't channel that much masculinity. I have more of the, <laughs> the self-doubt of, of Oliver Queen. Fits my personality a lot more. Um, I love that Stephen Amell, his normal voice is really quite gentle and kind. And yeah. it kind of is a little bit dopey, his, his normal voice. Yeah. But when he's arrow when he's oliver queen he like drops his tone and he's so serious and he's like mm, don't get on his bad side yeah, ma- mom i got this under control i need you to go with thea now now <laughs> yeah um uh, but uh um so just really back to defenders wrap up their villains are fan- fucking fantastic and they are spinning mm-hmm. off anti-heroes like the punisher um you know w- which i guess fox is getting the closest to in the movies with deadpool and logan and so forth uh yeah so we'll see some more of it there you know it's basically rated r with a little bit less bad language on netflix i mean it's mm-hmm. but it's, it's essentially rated r television um yeah and uh i I just i couldn't get through iron fist because i I had heard so much bad stuff about it before i even sat down and the opening 10 minutes is laughably bad on every level (laughs) the character dialogue the fighting i mean it just looks horrible and so i was like but you know I, i choose not to and this is the thing i'm always telling people when you're a super fan of anything it doesn't have to be nerd property it could be your favorite sports team you need to give yourself permission to just not watch some stuff and feel like if you stopped liking you know game of thrones in season five like you shouldn't feel obligated to watch the rest of the series you know yeah out of some misguided loyalty obligation or obligation i stopped watching the walking dead because yeah. it just it, it got a bit much halfway through season five i think yeah um and i just like mm, it just the episode tyrese i think his name is that episode was so crap i'm like you know what the last episode where beth dies that is the final episode that's that's it i'm done i'm out <laughs> And it's funny because even though I'm not, a, haven't been a, bit, been a big game of, I've never been a big Game of Thrones person, but I haven't even been watching it for a few seasons. But I do tend to like the actors, young actors that it produces, even more than other people. Mm. Like, people are very mixed on Amelia Clark. I think she's super talented, personally. And I've yeah. seen her in a number of different roles in which she's been good. And I think she's going to be great as sort of the competition slash love interest of Han Solo in the Han Solo Star Wars movie. You know, it would be his pretty yeah. Princess Leia fling or whatever should be quite good um and so finn jones you know i was predisposed to like the guy but he just came off as a little like hipster hippie douchebag how they framed him and nothing to do with him and so i gave myself permission to not watch iron fist at least not right away and i was like i don't need to see all fucking 52 episodes of of um defenders before watching the defenders and then yeah. I started seeing him start to appear and like hang out with with Kristen Ritter and the and the crew. And again, this is the Kristen Ritter effect. If Kristen Ritter can convince me that someone is really cool and she likes hanging out with them, then I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So if both Jessica Jones and Kristen Ritter are hanging out with Iron Fist's Daniel Rand slash Finn Jones, and he seems like a lovely guy in all of his appearances, he's been very gracious. He never like struck back at the, you know, the, the people who are crushing the show or whatever. And you know what? He looks pretty badass in the Defenders trailer and i think mm. 
working together with Mike Coulter a lot, as it seems is going to happen. And by the way, they're the two, you know, big ones in the comic book, you know, like, like Iron Fist and Luke Cage, like they're a thing in the comic book. And, and, yeah. and it, it, the fact that they're pulling that off on screen, they couldn't look more different, but like they clearly have affection for one another. This will be my final thought for Defenders and I'm going to let you go on it. The four of them have the best team chemistry, I think, in the shortest amount of time of any of the comic book um, casts and I'm including Arrowverse. I'm including Avengers. Avengers just because it's so big and it's been going on for so long. I don't think mm-hmm. Justice League chemistry, and we'll get to this very shortly. I don't think it's at Defenders chemistry yet. No. Um, but again, you're doing many, many episodes together. Um, yeah. So I'm throwing it to you. I just talked for a while. So Luke Cage, Iron Fist, the Defenders. Where, where, where's your head at about all this stuff? Because we agree that Daredevil and Jessica Jones are the fucking bomb. The winners. Yeah. Uh, I think that, yeah, the uh, Iron Fist does come at the bottom out of all these these Defenders television shows. I would recommend Iron Fist only for the fact that watching Gao and watching her character develop as a villain is brilliant. I love it. And I love um, how you do get to see the different seg- sections and stuff, or factions, I guess, of the hand, and to see that there are, like, there's one section that call themselves the hand that are apparently friendly and teaching and, you know, trying to direct the world in a nice way, which is Colleen Wings, where she's from. And then there's Gal's section, which are murderous and controlling and kidnapping and, and that sort of thing. Um, that side of Iron Fist is great and it's really, really enjoyable. And I look forward to seeing her interaction with Sigourney Weaver there's two really high-ranking hand officials, I would assume, and how their different, um, I guess, beliefs of what the hand should be, how that contrasts to each other. I think the villains there are going to be so cool. And even just thinking of... Um, oh, but which, by the way, I want to mm-hmm. stress your observation about this again, about how great mm-hmm. the villains are in these series, and throw you an open question that we don't have to address now about whether the Netflix environment is perfect for these sort of ambiguous, ambivalent, ambivalent villains as opposed to the box office. I think it is perfect. I think Netflix and all the online streaming services are creating an avenue for television to be taken seriously. And I love that. And I love that it's no longer stuck to like CW is great. And I, and I love all their shows, but that's very typical television. You have Netflix, which is, which is releasing the bonds that a CW Netflix might hold over a television show. Cause you see in all the CWs, there's the, um, the protective guy who must almost do this alone and the girlfriend's love. It's very reused character tropes. And then you see something like Netflix, which is allowing things like OA and 13 reasons why. And, um, something as random as shadow hunters. Technically Netflix is, a network, a television network, but it has so much more diversity. I think it's past. I think it's past. I think in the last 10 years, HBO plus Netflix and streaming services have passed film and they're considered the best visual art form mm. in this country. Definitely. In this country. Yeah, when um, in high school, I was thinking I want to write, I want to write for movies. If I, if I make a movie, I know that that'll be the pinnacle. That'd be fantastic. But now, having gone through uni, I'm thinking, no, Netflix is the pinnacle. Mm. 
If you can get your show on Netflix, yeah. people are going to watch it. That is the pinnacle for me, you, I think. You know what, You know what, Britt? It would be a great idea um, that we won't have time to talk about now would be for you to do a <laughs> web series, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I feel like maybe yeah. that could be an avenue into getting a show. Um, I don't know. I'm just spitballing. I'm just spitballing here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bizzlecast listeners. That's all you're going to get on that one for now. Um, Bit of an inside joke. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not inside forever. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, the villain stuff, the villain thing is amazing. Um, look, I'll, I always say my favorite thing that happens on Daredevil is you've got Vincent D'Onofrio as a kingpin he's strong in every way possible he's physically intimidating you know he's rich he's got an army but when he is face to face with madame gao he's terrified i mean this tiny little chinese woman and he is so scared she's the only one yeah i also feel that there's so much respect as well from him for this madame gao and i think that's that is incredible and i think I think he respects. I think that I get, he's showing the respect through the fear. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that that reaction is what was missing for me for the Joker and the Suicide Squad. They needed uh, to be like that around Jared Leto, yep. and they weren't, and that is what was missing. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so I have a great bridging question to DC. Shoot. All right. When was the last time you watched The Dark Knight? I have actually been meaning to watch it recently, but it has been years. I think I was I was in school the last time I saw it. Um, so, so the movie came out nine years ago. So is it more like yeah. more than five years ago that you've seen it? So yeah, it would be would be back in like okay. 2010, but probably. I'm sure you remember it well enough. Yeah, yeah, I got, uh, yeah. All right. Well, I'm yeah. not going to ask this question then until you rewatch it. When you rewatch it, I'm very curious to see how. Uh, you think the Joker holds up how Heath Ledger's great performance holds up, not in terms of being great, but in terms of it being so often imitated and made fun of, or, you know, tr- people trying to replicate it and stuff. I tell you now, I think Heath Ledger's Heath Ledger was a phenomenal Joker. Now I have a reason for this. So if we go back and we look at, um, Oh gosh. Uh, Nicholson. Um, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. He was the gangster. He was the gangster Joker. We look at uh, Heath Ledger. He's the anarchist Joker. We look at Jared Leto. Jared Leto is meant to be the psycho, the psychotic one. That's what I had the feeling from him. He didn't quite get there. And I think having these three different aspects of the Joker being analyzed through these films in different ways is perfect. And that's why I think you can have multiple Jokers because the Joker is such an interesting character and such, I guess, a diverse personal uh, with crazy personalities and characteristics that they can have different sides. And although Jared fell short, you could see, um, you could definitely see the just the fantastic development of Heath Ledger through the film in that people did fear him, and he. Like, it wasn't even just, like, people knowing him. People didn't know who he was, but he could enter the room, do a so-called magic trick. Everyone is paying attention. Everyone is on the edge of their seats. And that alone shows that he he was a very good joker. 
I finished rap. That was my rap. It was a great rap. <laughs> it was a great rap. But I wanted to ask uh, to follow up on that. I, I didn't mean to imply that he's not great. I, I mean, hold up oh, in terms okay. of does it feel like that movie could come out in 2017? I think the answer is mm. definitely yes. Having just seen Dunkirk, which is very different from The Dark Knight, but is equally minimalist, bleak, and gripping by Christopher Nolan. Um, but m- uh, my question is, so people always say, you know, that the Christian Bale's best in the first and third movies because everything's just about the Joker in the second movie, Heath Ledger, right? In terms of performance. Mm. And Batman's just being kind of reactive to the Joker the whole time. But I still think that as great as Heath Ledger is, I can't call that the best villain because he's still one-dimensional. He's just one-dimensional in a deliciously Mm. evil way. But he has no ulterior second-level motives there's no b storyline or c storyline like he just wants the world to burn to quote michael Caine in Mm. that movie right some people just want to see the world burn and that's why i don't like the joker across the media or i I like the joker less across the media than most batman fans you know like i started playing arkham Mm. city and it was like all about (laughs) all about the joker because i i like the I like the I like the the multi-dimensional villains, the ones we're talking about on the defenders, like Sigourney Weaver. Okay, so to tie it all back, so Sigourney Weaver, I'm assuming is going to be very complicated. And if Madame Gao is scared of Sigourney Weaver, that would be a very clever way of setting up her as dangerous, right? Absolutely. That's what I would do from a writing standpoint. Um, also, it's been confirmed, uh, a couple just quick notes here, that they, they, they aired the first episode at San Diego Comic-Con. So the only reason to go to the comic con- conventions, and my, the big ones in my estimation, is to see some of this footage that we're not going to get to see. But you know what? I can wait for yeah. all eight episodes. I would probably just want to watch the other seven. And they do not interact at all in the first episode. So that means they have seven episodes. So my guess is that big fight is towards the beginning of episode two, and then they go to the Chinese restaurant directly afterwards. Mm-hmm. And because that's when they're still, you know, Jessica's like, this is not a team. Like, you know, it, it, you could tell they've like just kind of met each other. Um, now we know some of the other supporting characters are going to have supporting roles. Carrie Ann Moss, we will see. We'll see very little. I think what we saw of Trish Walker and Foggy will probably be it. Colleen Wing does have a, a, a fairly sizable role as like a support a character. The Punisher will not be in it. Um, Karen is in it. Um, it, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I do hope though that they don't just make Electra an arrow style, just like death weapon with no consciousness. That would, that would not, yeah. that would not be cool, but I can't, do you have any creative ideas of who Sigourney Weaver could actually be? Um, I don't just mean a combo characters, but like, is she just a really Ooh. powerful, like shadow CEO or something? Like, I don't think they would reveal the top guy for the hand just yet, but I don't know enough about Marvel. So I don't think she's the, top guy i think she's very high up could she be the actual hand the hand behind the hand actually you know what i might go back on what i just said because the fact that they have such a a hard-hitting actress in that role it's got to be a phenomenal role for her to have picked it up and said yes she would do it she's gonna fight so maybe yeah so maybe i don't know what the sigourney weaver culture is like in australia but if they have sigourney weaver in the defenders and she doesn't fight the nerds are gonna rise up and burn down everything in this country Oh, she's going to, at the very least, she's going to have, like, 
a pistol or something. Yeah. The very least. She's not going to not be in the fold, if that makes sense. <laughs> totally. Although she didn't really an avatar, you know? She didn't really... She but she was a scientist. Yeah, yeah. All right, Britt. Well, let's swing over to the main course right now um, of Justice League. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will say, when you're taking a break off mic, we were talking about Wonder Woman and how it was like a chocolate sundae, you know, like a really fucking good chocolate sundae, but, you know, a chocolate sundae. Mm. But what makes the movie isn't the Ares fight, which I think is actually underrated at this point. People complain about the end of that movie. I I, I love the final act of Wonder Woman. That's for another time. Mm. Um, I think the ball scene was a little long and unnecessary, but that would be the only part I would cut. But um, w- w- the reason you go back to see that movie for me is for Steve and Diana, right? And I yeah. mean, that's... The relationship stuff, and that's what makes the Avengers movies, the good Avengers movies, so rewatchable, right? That's why I think the Team Thor and Thor Ragnarok is going to be super rewatchable, which we're going to get to in a bit, because of the chemistry. And that's why I think there was an ease with the way that the Defenders, even with Sigourney Weaver there, who they all worship... Um, and in Hall H, which is bigger than they probably thought a year or two ago. They mm. d- they didn't know. I mean, did you know they announced Daredevil Season 3? They even announced Iron Fist Season 2. They had, oh man, I forgot to bring that up. They hadn't even told them that there was an Iron Fist Season 2. <laughs> and they announce it, and fuck it, and this is what endears me to him. And Finn Jones jumps out of his chair, puts his hands in the air in the middle of the Comic-Con panel, and he's like, what? Yeah, yeah. And immediately... <laughs> He's just there like an idiot. Immediately, who stands up but Kristen Ritter and gives him like a hard, badass, left-handed high five, you know, standing there to congratulate him. They they like surprised him with it. It, There's just a family behind this stuff. And like, say what you will about about the Snyders. The Snyders are very family-oriented. And that's why I think even though Joss Whedon is shepherding in the the Justice League movie, um, which I want to talk about the panel and the clip and everything now, but... You know, I think people confuse the sort of the coldness of some of Snyder's uh, writing and filming style with, like, him. He is a very sweet, warm guy who everyone Mm -hmm. in the film business loves. And I don't know if you saw that Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg, was wearing an I Love Zack Snyder t-shirt. That's what it was. the panel. Yeah, Uh, it was an I Love Zack Snyder. And they all love him. I felt really... I feel really hurt for Zack Snyder in that a lot of people were talking about how uh, yay, finally Joss Whedon, someone good taking over or whatever. Not that and many people of, were. I know, but the hearing that it, I like, I felt hurt for Zack Snyder and I'm thinking it's like, it's you not nice both. at all, but it also shows, I don't know, I just think my respect for Josh Whedon went up because he from my understanding, I don't feel like he's going to take over. The, I think that was it. People were like, yeah, he's taking over the project. It's going to be so different. I would hope. They're, and I They're feel actually that, doing less reshoots yeah, than planned. I think he really just is there to tie it together, not, you know, do something completely out of the blue and different. And I just, I feel my respect for him has gone up so much in the past few months. And that might be because I've had this strange American guy telling me about how amazing Joss Whedon is. And 
uh, telling me like hey. how he always has like red hair and <laughs> you know what Brittany? you know what Brittany? you know what you yeah. have earned the lifetime membership and my father approves of this and he's major sponsor of the Bizzlecast. Oh, okay um he you're bringing up your insistence that we talk about the sarah connor chronicles and specifically summer glow and praising her which i believe was the first preach um oh, okay that alone has bought you lifetime membership. Whenever you come in, come out, you know, it's like valet parking, oh, keys to the place. <laughs> so yeah, you, 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 you're already at that level, but yes, I'm in love with Joss Whedon, but, it, but it's, be, it's, but honestly though, I mean, to tie it with, with Snyder, him and Snyder are like brothers. Yeah. Like they've known, they've known each other forever. This is really like a brother handing it over to another brother, except better because sometimes you can't trust your brother or sister because you know them too well and they're going to fuck able. it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is, this is the brother from another mother, you yeah. know? And the fact that it's him and his wife. I mean, Joss probably knew the daughter, you oh, know? I yeah. mean, and by the way, Joss came up with like a very convincing reason why he couldn't be at Comic Con. But the real reason is he wanted none of the spotlight on him. Yeah. And if Zack Snyder wasn't going to come, there's no way in hell. And by the way, up until a year ago when he had a bit of a mental breakdown, Joss that is, Joss went to Comic-Con every year for about 10 years, starting maybe longer, going back to the Buffy days. Yeah. He did a panel that was just him answering questions. That was it. It was one hour. You could ask anything you wanted, and he just sat there, and he would be as honest as possible. Just literally Google any of the ones leading up to the Avengers before the Avengers comes out and overshadows everything. People, Dr. Horrible and Buffy and Firefly asking all these questions. No one else does that stuff. And so for him to stay away from Comic-Con... It's being really well handled. And I'm glad yeah. we're starting on this note because before we get into the four minute clip that I can't believe is four minutes because it feels so tight and it goes by so quickly. It feels like the, the Wonder Woman click, like, you know, like 2.30 uh, is an amazing four minutes. I thought the chemistry of the five casts, and it always helps to have Chris Hardwick moderating a panel. I don't always love Chris Hardwick's TV shows or radio shows, but as a moderator, he is the best. And he's been doing this forever at Comic-Con mm. with the big stars and making everyone feel loose and moderating the questions and joking with the actors. I thought they, the five of them were, were really good together. I still think Affleck looks like he's trying to stay sober a little bit, <laughs> he's str that he's struggling with that. I, I continue to think Ezra Miller is annoying, but I will say I, I do think the annoyingness will will uh, positively impact the Flash char this particular Flash character. How amazing! I don't know if I'm was yeah. the signings though and seeing how passionate the young kids are because that's yes. I, that's what I'm starting to learn is that especially with Suicide Squad, how you're talking about one of your students really likes the film and how. I can get so caught up in the critical kind of like, is it hitting the um, the first act turn at 20 minutes? Are we getting a good amount of pacing? Are the characters developed enough? Do they have enough uh, challenges through the way? And I can get so caught up in that. And sometimes that I forget that some people just enjoy the film. And these kids, it just means so much because they, they – they understand it the best. Now, it's just meant to be entertainment and it's meant to be loved and enjoyed and take you on an emotional journey. And seeing that little girl dressed, as, dressed up as Wonder Woman and having Gal Gadot so genuinely, like so genuinely take that little girl's hands and saying like, it's okay, you know, it's so great to see you're so passionate and ah. And then also, well, in saying what you're saying about Ben Affleck, he 
he was as well so genuine with some of the kids that came up to him too. This yes, poor boy. He was very good. Uh, yeah. It's just it's it's <laughs> and when Aquaman I was just meant on the panel, I, I didn't mean to diss Ben. Oh, no, I don't no, no. let you go. Yeah. I, I was just saying he still looks a little sort of physically in, in pain. A like bit he's rugged, in, re- yeah. in recovery, which is where he's supposed to be, so that's fine. Yeah. And then um Aquaman uh, how um Jason oh, Momoa on the panel was saying I don't know if your parents let you see the first movie, but Superman is dead. He's He's gone. And then when you actually (laughs) look at him signing the pictures, he finds the kid that asked the question. He said, Superman's not dead, man. He's not dead. You're all good. He'll be back. We we have to talk about, we got to talk about Jason Momoa. But yeah, I love that he he went back to the kid later. (sighs) I'm going to try and make the statement as clear as possible. Mm -hmm. I think Aquaman is going to go down as the most radically altered major superhero character from page to screen that people are going to be obsessed with specifically because of the actor and the portrayal by that actor. Like, like people are going to be referring to him as Jason Momoa as much as Aquaman in casual conversations. Yeah. You know, the same way we do with Gal Gadot for Wonder Woman. And I yeah. think he's going to have that level of impact. The difference is <laughs> Gal Gadot shares a lot of qualities with comic book Diana. Mm. Um, I don't know, and this, I'm going to throw this to you as the first serious comic book question tonight. Does Jason Momoa share any noticeable qualities with the actual Aquaman? Because the one that flies through buildings going, yee-haw, I, I kind of like, even though it doesn't really make sense. No, like, I feel that he's so, uh, different from, um, from the comic books. Now, my, my friend on the DC Domination podcast, he is a huge Aquaman fan. He'd know more about it than I do. But um, my staple point, I guess, for the character is Throne of Atlantis, the animated series. He is a bit of a bar-brawling, drunken guy as well, but he's nowhere near as, I, I guess, like ferocious as Momoa is. And it's, it's funny seeing him, but I don't think he's the only one. I think they've actually made Cyborg quite a serious character in like uh d- don't worry alfred yes. i'll take it from here and i by the that way he's, one a, he's line, a theater actor that one line i well that's yeah i, I can kind of i guess i can see yeah. it mm-hmm. saying that i kind of all of a sudden went oh my gosh i'm actually going to take cyborg seriously yeah. and it looks way better the costume yeah. looks so much better than the first trailer yeah it like really looks convincing now from what like I know of Cyborg as well, it's it comes from the Teen Titans and yeah. and Teen Titans Go, and then the animated um, the animated film. I think it was the first Teen Titans animated film, and so I just he's he's more he's a bit more comedic. He's the the character between the Justice League and the Teen Titans, and I think because of that, he is always kind of the kid in Justice League. I guess he's a little bit in. Um, flashpoint as well as he's kind of like he's a bit of a scout boy as well trying to do the right thing but just that one line i was just like well okay i i think i'm taking him seriously and it's incredible that they can do that in just a trailer okay so i i've been kind of talking a lot in in guiding this so i'm going to throw it to you for the to get the DC talk rolling. We don't have to physically watch the trailer. I've seen it like a dozen times. I don't know how many times you've seen it. I've seen it <laughs> a lot. Um, I just want you to start talking about, try and, try and think back to sort of the first time you either finished watching the, 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 the four-minute trailer or you know watched it enough times that you could process it. What, what are some of the thoughts coming to your mind as you're processing that four minutes? Well, I think um, there's a lot of 
images online that actually like memes, I guess, that actually say what I'm thinking. Like, um, you know, when uh, Jim Gordon turns around, it's like, how many are there of you? And Batman's like, not enough. The fun- <laughs> the funniest one I've found is Jim Gordon going, how many slow-mos do you need? And Patty Jenkins going, not enough. <laughs> and you oh, see all low, the slow-mos. And I'm like, yes, low, that's so true. Low. I love slow-mos. And just Flash, the Flash just running at super speeds and just poking the glass and the glass slowly shattering. That is so cool. That's like, it's really making him different from the television show. And I love that. And I love that all the television flash, um, actors are saying the speed force is big enough for all of us it's all good grant gustin is saying ezra miller is you know um he's he's a really good movie actor and he's there and i am no way i am not offended or anything i'm excited for ezra miller's flash and i think that's great and seeing a unity across television and movies but then also seeing um and i'm so glad people pointed this out and i and i hope that it was um intentional probably was when Wonder Woman is reaching for the sword and the Flash is kind of going yeah, to push it, it to her, that is so much like um, uh, the the painting, the god re- god reaching down to man. It's so like that. Have you seen those photos? Oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's amazing. I can't wait for that shit. Yeah, and that's just it's it's such a beautiful, well thought of shot, and I think that's what the Justice League has. It has those moments which are so grand and and so thick in history and uh, respond to something has so much um, cultural cultural value in what they do, and you see that in Wonder Woman, and um, you see that a bit in Batman vs Superman as well when they. They just also take from the comic book pages. Ah, but then they're so fresh as well with their ideas and having Jason Momoa ride that alien down into the building and hop off like it was a surfboard. Like, whew, that was fun. Where's the next one? Catch the next wave. And that's just so much fun. But one thing I want to throw back at you yes. is um, it, people People are pretty much like Alfred turns around saying, ah, oh, now Superman. that you're back, maybe we have hope. Superman. Everyone's pretty much set on Superman, Superman, but it's Superman. It's not the Green Lantern. It's Superman. No, it's not the Green Lantern. You can see a bit of a red shoulder there, and you see that when the Nerdist News talks about it. But if you have a bit of fun with it, why not Supergirl? <sighs> you think that's going to be Melissa Benoist? Oh, God, I, I wish. <laughs> oh, you not know, Melissa yeah. Benoist, but I think oh, I've okay. seen an edited photo with Henry Cavill and. Um, Melissa Benoist in their hero costumes together, just like, you know, photoshopped. And it looks really good. Like, they would yeah. – you know how um, not only is the characters need to bounce off each other, but physically yeah. they need to look good together and work yeah. well together? I think they would actually do really well. Yeah. But That's I wanted to throw true. another curveball. Yeah. Yes. What if it was future Flash? Which they pulled – they should have just pulled more fully in bat- – Okay. Oh, you're going <laughs> to make me go on. Uh, you know what? I should do this, though, because we were talking about Zack Snyder. Here's what I'm going to say. There's mm-hmm. no way that all of the Themyscira stuff is from the reshoots. Snyder wanted Wonder Woman to be at the center of this whole thing from the beginning. Mm-hmm. This is incontrovertible evidence. This is me just being objective, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I think... And he cast Gal Gadot. Patty Jenkins didn't want her. That was his choice. Patty Jenkins obviously loves the choice now, but that wouldn't have been her first choice. She's admitted that, right? Gal Gadot was cast by Zack Snyder. I think what happened, 
and that's why I'm hoping that he's satisfied with the final product that Joss puts out, is that he realized halfway through making Batman v Superman that having Wonder Woman at the center of everything was actually much more interesting. Yeah. But it was too late to do anything than make her. She has so much less screen time in BVS than people think. If you ask people, they're like, oh, yeah, she was on the screen for like 30 minutes. I'm like, no, she was on the screen for like eight minutes. That's how much of an impact she had. And so immediately yeah. when he started writing Justice League, he was like, we're, we're basing this around Demoscura, the, the, what's that box called? The, 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 uh, oh, the mother box. The mother box is going to be there. I really hope that they don't all die on Themyscira when Steppenwolf comes through. Who, by the way, great, but Cordy named villain. Apparently, no one really knows who he is, including <laughs> DC Comics fans. It's, he's related to Darkseid a little yeah. bit, but it's like, you got to do a lot of research. Themyscirians, they're not going to die because you see them actually in war. Um, in the first trailer, you see them battling almost, it seems like the same area as the Justice League. It's either the same area or it's actually on, um, I think it's called Apocalypse, which is the planet that uh, Darkseid yep. is from. So the fact that, that, that Snyder recognized that the myth- mythological um, side of Wonder Woman and Aquaman like that is the thing that's going to set this movie apart from the Avengers movie. That is the thing that's going to set the DC universe, other than the Batverse, which we maybe we'll get to later. The the the, the mythological stuff is what's going to set it apart from Marvel because Marvel isn't really yeah. that dense with mythology, other than Thor. But because Thor is in space, and we're going to talk about, we really love the new Thor trailer and excited about the movie. He's just a space god you know he's he's yeah. he's more like doomsday or dark side than he is like wonder mm-hmm. woman or um or aquaman and this notion yeah. of having this kind of neo mythological thing because i know you don't love lord of the rings but a lot of people do and people love harry potter and stuff like that you know and to be able to work that in to the dc universe i mean it's already in the comic book but to base the movies around it it looks beautiful and because it's so colorful you can then put the dark tint on it a little bit Zack Snyder style but the color pops through like with Wonder Woman and Aquaman Mm. right Um, so I'm just I'm particularly excited for those two I was already extremely you know high on Gal Gadot as Diana Prince and I don't Mm. really care if, if this Aquaman has anything to do with the comic book I just hope people are cool with it I mean, I've heard that some people think Aquaman's a joke in the comics, which makes no sense oh, if he he's in the Justice was. League. So, yeah. He he used to be quite a joke, honestly. So, uh, this is... He definitely needed this revamp, refresh kind of look because it was the same... You see it in the film when Bruce Wayne goes, I hear you can talk to fish. That That's the joke that everyone just thinks. And you should look it back at the um, the animated intro at the very least. It's actually quite tacky and quite funny so he although he was quite a strong character i mean think of it he has magical abilities over the ocean and the ocean covers 70 percent of the planet that's true he if he takes care of all that that's way more than what superman takes care of that's hugely more surface area than batman takes care of he's hugely powerful question but it was just the butterball jokes can he also manipulate moisture in the air, and that's why he can kind of like hover and stuff that we see him do in the trailers? I wouldn't be surprised. You know, um, like not flying, but like can sort of guide his falls and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if the, from the humidity, I don't know. Like <laughs> no, I think it's 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 probably just that. Um, like you've seen 
powerful people be able to land and it's fine. Like he can, he's probably just strong enough in his ability to, to land. He can't fly. That's not one of his powers. Um, which is interesting if, cause at the end of Wonder Woman, we just really, we just see her leap from a building. Technically don't see her fly. So the question is, can Wonder Woman fly in these films oh, yeah. or is she falling with style? No, 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 no. She she flew. Well, she flew straight up when she got the the lightning from Ares. Maybe she has to be extra power. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she does. Yep. Um, and the, she's basically flying at the end of the movie. I mean, it could just be yeah. a long jump. I don't think she can fly the way Superman can fly, like a seven forty seven. You know, like mm. just put jet fuel in her and she'll fly around the world. But I, mean, <laughs> I think she does do that in the comics. But I think it's cooler. Yeah, I, I think it's cooler if her powers are sort of not all encompassing like superman's you know that there are some limitations to it um and by the way as per i I said part of the reshoots was going to be to maybe put more of her in the trailer i think that was a complete new scene at the beginning um that they filmed which is just amazing hashtag entrance queen Mm -hmm. she knows how to make an entrance you see it in there you see it in um world war uh one film when she's like with a shield busting through the window and then you see it also in um in bvs as i thought she was with you i mean look joss whedon made this trailer okay we know that that's the case but he Mm. made it great because he took what patty jenkins did awesome and what Zack snyder did awesome and took the best of that and put it in the trailer basically right yeah so diana missing the bullet straight from the movie diana doing the swing kick on the ground straight from the movie but the best, and it of course. Just shows, yeah. Yeah, I love that you yeah. can actually see that they are practice moves. Like she's a warrior; she's going to use the moves she is most comfortable with. And so you, that we've seen yes. them before, we know that she she has spent years finding finding her craft down to that. And if that's the move she finds works, she's going to use it again and again. One thing that's interesting, though, when you're talking about sort of weaknesses, mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure in some renditions of the comics, her. Um, her bracelets her gauntlets yes if she doesn't wear them she is overpowered she can't control her powers i'm pretty Uh, sure that's in some of the comics so uh, that would be an interesting thing because they actually mentioned that in the trailer every one of us has held back yeah yeah i think her powers are kind of always in flux because sometimes there's like another wonder woman and diana prince is just like ground level and doesn't have her powers and has to get them back um Oh, it I makes, think that's in the 70s, yeah. yeah. It makes sense with the mythological characters. Like, that's why you can give uh, give Thor Thor's power to him and take it away and stuff like that, you know? That, yeah. That's that a, cool, a cool part of that. By the way, it took me, like, three watchings of Wonder Woman to notice that she it unsuccessfully tries the swing kick at least twice on Themyscira during training, yeah. and then she nails it during the... the uh, uh, the no man's yeah. land scene second part of the no man's land. oh that scene is so great there's four sections to no man's land well there's five mm-hmm. so she's in the trench and then the slow motion run across against the machine gun then she's in the machine gun's nest then she runs you know to so stay here and she runs into town jumps blocking all the bullets jumps into the building takes down all those guys but then mm. there's but then they she jumps out while the guys are running and that's when they blow the wall and Chris Pine with the shotgun and then there's the whole thing in the square and then the sniper I mean it's unbelievable you know like it is a great scene like yeah. that is I'm pretty sure that's my friend's favorite 
favorite scene from the movie No Man's Land. In fact, I was telling her about um, the Nightwing comic. Nightwing comic I was reading about Gotham's No Man Land, mm-hmm. No Man's Land, when like it was taken over by gangs. Mm-hmm. I was saying, you really like this, you know, it's centered around yeah. the No Man's Land title, and I didn't even think of the Wonder Woman film. And yeah. Jackie was like, oh, I got so excited for a second, Brittany, why did you do that to me? I thought it was like Wonder <laughs> Woman centered. I'm like, it's Gotham. Why would it be Wonder Woman centered? <laughs> I think I think part of the reason that I, I, I love the Ares fight, and I, I normally hate the just God against God, is because... You know, this was her final training. I mean, this was her final leveling up where she could fly and she could use the bracelets to be, yeah. you know, goddess like. I mean, when she loses it and goes into the f- the fire and is flinging Germans all over the place, I mean, she's reached a new level. And, yeah. you know, and, and this is going to be a question for you about uh, uh, the Justice League trailer and just movie is. I want Steppenwolf to be just a badass one-dimensional bad guy. I don't want a complex villain story in this first Justice League movie. Do you know how many origin stories and flashbacks we already are going to get in this film for, to try and yeah. meet all these other characters? Which, by the way, if Joss Whedon were making it from the beginning, he would not do really at all. Um, so I, I wonder how much will make the final cut. There's so much Wonder Woman stuff. We know that there's Aquaman flashbacks. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it's unclear, you know, the Flash, how much time they're going to spend on Flash. They should do would, it like Spider-Man and Black Panther in Civil War and just have them yeah. show up and do the do it I, later. I feel that they probably wouldn't touch on the Flash. Uh, Wonder Woman, we have origin. Batman, we know the origin. I feel like they might touch on Cyborg's origin because his origin is so involved with um, alien technology called the Mother Box. Um, now his dad was, um, looking at it. You can actually see this in the animated film. Um, can't remember which one it's called, but it's in one of the animated films. His dad is looking at this technology. All of a sudden there's a, a, a boom tube, which is like a portal. So all these, um, parademons come through, his lab is being attacked, but, uh, um, Victor is there. I'm pretty sure Victor is Cyborg's name. Uh, let me double check that though. I think it might be his dad's Victor Cyborg. Yeah, Victor. Um, Victor Stone. So he's there as well. He gets really da- badly damaged and they're stuck in this room. And so his dad decides this, he's yeah, a scientist. He decides he's going to use this alien technology to save his son. And that's how he becomes this um, half human, half machine cyborg dude. So because his origin story is very tied in with mother boxes and stuff. I would not be surprised at all if we see him become cyborg in this film. Yeah. Even in the limited justice league I've read, I've seen him with uh, teleportation capabilities. Oh yeah. He can control boom tubes, which is a, a hilarious name that has grown on me over time. <laughs> First I, I was like, really mother boxes and boom tubes, but then it's the whole DC thing. It's like, just name it when, yeah. what it is. So, you know, yeah. who, ca- who cares? Mother boxes um, um, do a variety of things as well. They're not just yeah. teleportation, but um, yeah. that's one of the big things yeah. that they do. I guess. I guess to wrap up to what my point was before uh, with the, with the mythological stuff is that you know remember we were talking about the DC universe and like on the small level it's like the Gotham you know Batverse and then you've got like you know Superman and the Green Lanterns and so forth which they tease in the trailer that the, that the lanterns are out there. No lanterns here. No lanterns here. Uh, yeah, the voice work is excellent, whoever is actually doing it. Um, uh, 
Uh, but it's clear that the forces of mythology are fighting the aliens directly in this movie. I mean, we see mm -hmm. rushes of horses, you know, probably the armies of Themyscira and probably elsewhere in the world um, uh, uh, attacking the aliens, which is great. Apparently just twigged. It actually ties into what Luther was saying. Um, Devils don't come from the land beneath us. They come from the sky above. So pretty much they've swapped it. And now the gods are coming from Earth. And the devils are coming from the sky. Yeah. I just think that's really cool. So it's not just like, because I took it straight off as the devils are coming from the sky. And he was meaning, you know, Superman is a devil or whatever. But now it's like the aliens are the devil and we are the gods or the heroes are the gods. That's really cool. That just give, gave Lex Luthor's line more weight. I like that. Well, Marvel and DC share this. They both have these huge intergalactic villains, you know, from Galactus and Thanos, who we're going to see Thanos. We'll probably see Galactus eventually. Um, mm -hmm. To uh, you know, the 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 the, the apocalypse planet uh, villains um, in DC. Um, but I think there is something cool to having it not just be the justice league fighting that they're like rally the forces of earth basically, you know? I mean, mm. that's, that's always the thing with the Avengers is it's like, you know, I mean, X-Men's always interesting to me because you could pick up any given X-Men issue and you'd have no idea if at that point they're in a war with humans, humans are in a war with them, their mutants are in a war with one another, they're removed from humans, right? I mean, like, yeah. there's like a million possibilities. The Avengers are constantly fighting supposedly for good against evil, but we're relying on these, you know, ubermenches, right? I mean, that's that's obviously Superman is, is a direct translation of, of ubermensch, and, and, and DC has it in the Justice League. But when you bring in the forces of, of nature and mythology, that just is really cool to me. Um, and, uh, you know, I think Black Panther will probably be the first Marvel movie to really do that. Um, because even though Thor is technically, you know, a Norse god, he's not on earth right and so black panther mm. will be closer to wonder woman or or um uh aquaman not, not not nearly as powerful does that make sense though like that was something that just really excited me about the trailer was it wasn't just the five mm. of them fighting there was a lot of other people involved um and it seems like i don't know how uh, i guess my question for you keeps coming back to aquaman how it <laughs> I mean, they're more amphibious than straight-up sea creatures, right? I mean, he's obviously out of the water yeah. a lot. He's an Atlantean, so that's – I'm not sure if that – at all. So Atlantean – Atlantis obviously sunk. Um, yes. It's a city of really future, futuristic technology, um, and Aquaman is is a descent – He his mother had an affair with a human – He's born, so he's part human, part Atlantean. His mother goes back he, uh, oh, really? the, to the king of Atlantis, and the king of Atlantis also has another son, which is called Orm, who is Aquaman's uh, half-brother and kind of like a villain as well. Um, what happens? The, the dad, I'm pretty sure the king then dies. The queen takes over. This is in Throne of Atlantis as well, the animated series, uh, TV show, animated movie. Um and then Orm wants to – he wants to be in control. He wants to show his power and he also wants to, you know, be remembered for a tremendous act. So he believes that taking on the on humans who are polluting his city pretty much because, you know, thank you, BP. Um, <laughs> he decides he wants to rally his people to attack the humans. 
but the queen won't let him. And the queen realizes she can't have him take his take her spot as ruler of Atlantis. Then she goes to Arthur Curry. Arthur Curry finds out he's now an Atlantean, and um, there is like a, a Hamlet situation between people wanting the throne. It's a it, you know it's a tall order to for them to try and launch directly into their Avengers. Um, obviously, the success of Wonder Woman is going to make things a lot easier for selling these relationships. Mm. Um, how do you see that playing out? Um, because even though this movie, like, you know, just in terms of overall scope it is even way bigger than the first Avengers movie, uh, but you still have the five main, uh, Justice League characters. How do you see the chemistry mm. playing out? We already know that Gal and Ben seem to have pretty good chemistry. Um, but other than that, how, how do you see it playing out with the, those actors in, in this movie? I think it's going to be really cool because they do have such different, um, different personalities and and as such but uh i think yeah it'll be they'll they'll save the day but there'll be no promise within the team of coming back because they don't really like each other i don't think there's like in the comics batman actually hates the idea of a justice league and doesn't want to be a part of it so I would assume that would take the place of Cyborg. I don't think – I think because Cyborg's so new to the role, if he does have his origin in this film, he probably won't want to be a part of it. So um, as to how it's going to play out, I think it will be good because we, we do know them from the comics and they don't really need to have origin stories for us to like them. And it can just be as simple as a line like in Spider-Man of, I was bitten by a Spider-Man. And they talk about Uncle Ben as well, how Aunt May has been through so much. So we can see that it is possible to um, to have a superhero film without an origin story, and still understand who the character is and who they're coming, uh, where they're coming from. So I think, in, honestly, doing a Justice League film so early on in the um, DC universe is very dangerous, and it was the same with Batman versus Superman. But it is. It's like flipping what the Avengers did, and I think that's why they've done it. That they wanted to. Um, maybe give us a taste of the wider world in these team-up films so that they can delve deeper into what makes these characters so interesting, like Wonder Woman. So I think it can work, but it's also very dangerous. Yeah, and just to, to bring in a quick comparison with the, the Netflix crew, who just has amazing chemistry, if you think about it, both the Netflix project and the DCEU projects were probably being hatched around the same time. Um I guess Zack Snyder was a little bit ahead if Man of Steel came out in 2013, but, you know, it's still been marinating over a number of years. The problem is DC gets one, maybe two shots a year to get it right with the movies, you know? Mm. I mean, the the, the Defenders can run 13 episodes and have people not even love all of them, but it's still almost... I don't know. I think it must help the actors, right? I mean, especially because in these big epic movies, when you have superstars who are filming numerous movies at once, they're filming out of order. They're not always there on set with each other. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's crazy how they how they make it these days. One thing I would not like to see is any sort of love interest with Diana Prince. I I, I know we will all be upset if they try and do that. I mean. They just told the sweetest and most heartbreaking yeah. love story of all time. And if any, if, if it's more than anything more than flirtation, I, I will be annoyed. That being said, the thing that has sustained the Marvel Avengers universe is the Tony Steve on and off bromance. 
I mean, mm. if you just take all the movies that Captain America's in, Iron Man in, or both, like those are all the best and most lucrative movies. You know, like even more than Guardians of the Galaxy. I, yeah, like, it's, are those two guys? I think with Wonder Woman, um, it's interesting because so many people fell in love with Steve Trevor, and it was really heartbreaking when he did when he did die at the end of the film. Hashtag spoilers. Um, I think though that if they were to bring in another love interest, it's probably going to be a woman. Because on Themyscira, she she's actually in the more modern day comics. She's known to have uh, relationships with other women on the island. Because on the island, obviously, you know they're gonna be they're gonna be couples and stuff yeah. on Themyscira. I think we see that People, in the second and, Wonder Woman. I, I agree with you. Yeah, and we do we do actually see that as um, when the I think the right hand to the to Antiope, the general, when Antiope dies. That woman who falls to her knees, who I think is unnamed, I never caught her name, that is not a friendship. That is more than a friendship, how she reacts. So, it touched on it. I felt like it touched on these relationships. So, going forward, that's if there is a relationship with Wonder Woman, it would probably be the woman, but I don't actually think it's going to be as heartfelt as Steve Trevor because I think that's going to stop Wonder Woman. She's going to be – that's going to be her her – drawback i guess for diana she's going to be still hurting from that yeah yeah i mean i'm I'm open to, to anything that's presented well in wonder woman too i'm just saying for justice league yeah. in particular that would feel very forced to me yeah um, but i guess the question i'm uh i'm um a sort of uh posing to you without actually asking it directly is like they need at least one relationship that doesn't have to be sexual at all like a relationship a friendship mm. between these actors in this movie for the movie to be oh, great absolutely that's going to be batman and wonder woman they're going to be the parents of this team but they're not going to be in a relationship okay so you think they're hiding the ba- the batman uh, gal stuff from us because we just haven't seen that much oh yeah we yeah we have we've seen uh, um, is is he it's on been board? Business. Uh, it's more been or less, business. more yeah. yes. It's business, but I think there's a bit of a funny kind of, um, yeah, a bit of like, oh, of course it is, Bruce. Whatever. Yeah. And I think that's that's where the there's going to be a fun, res- like a, a friendship there. There's going to be a really strong friendship there, but it's not. I don't think they're going to do a relationship between Bruce and Diana. Yeah, I mean, it might just be one of those that comes out during battle. That that's that's when their you know close friendship yeah. is is kindled, and you know when it makes the most sense. Because you know, mm. in other times, it would be difficult for them to relate. Although they're both uh, appreciators of fine art, that's so great to see her. You know, yeah. she can't she can't th- go home to Themyscira, so she's doing like you know like statuary yeah. archaeology stuff. And I think it's going to be because. Um, Bruce Wayne also is used to feeling, although acting the dumbest guy in the room, he is usually the smartest guy in the room. So to have Diana, who, because I feel Bruce Wayne would kind of like show off a little, or Batman would show he's the smartest man in the room a few times. Diana's going to challenge him on that because she, she, you've seen, we've seen her, that she knows things at the same time. Like that's not the real sword, Bruce Wayne says. and, And Diana's like, yeah, I know the real sword is in this place hanging over such and such his bed. So there's a challenge to intelligence there, and I think he's going to respect that, and I think it's going to make an interesting dynamic there as well. And she's probably going to have fun with it as well, telling Bruce that he's actually wrong in a few sense, a few different I, moments. Yeah. I think the one that would be 
almost too cliched, but I, I'm still holding out hope would be Flash and uh, Cyborg, sort of the way Luke Cage and, and Iron Fist are are paired up. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I see that. I, I, I didn't know what to think about Ray Fisher because this is literally his like first or second movie he's ever done. He's like a stage actor, mm. so that's that's cool. He seems to be nailing it. Um, I continue to find Ezra Miller grading. This goes way, way, way back to BVS and and the other like uh, teaser stuff. There's just something mm. about him. And it, did you see him on the panel? I mean, he was like. Oh, there's only one studio. Like, we're the only one, right, guys? Yeah, there's only, yeah. I mean, he was just like going way over the top to try and be like a DC yeah. fanboy. I'm like, all right, all right ease up, ease up, bu- young buck. Um, He's kind but, of like an excited puppy in a butcher shop. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it, it seems way. to work with them. I bet they make fun of him all the time, and that's part of their dynamic. Like, that's great. Like, I, yeah. if that if that's how it translates in the movie, is like, oh, we need the Flash because he's fucking the flash but god is he's intolerable you know at times like then 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 it'll work great and i i've told you that i thought you know having grant gustin being a little bit more mischievous and less concerned about the end of the world all the time would help i still would prefer as from an actor standpoint i prefer grant gustin but it's not a fair Mm -hmm. comparison i don't know if he could handle the ezra uh, miller material um so maybe that wouldn't work the flash has already always interested me because He's the most powerful superhero that I'm aware of that's so based in a city, considering mm-hmm. he's faster than Superman um, and yeah. can go through time, that he still would be spending so much time in Central City um, just because he can't fly. I mean, is that if he could fly, he could be like a Superman, Wonder Woman level uh Character. Yeah, I don't know why he sticks to um, Central City because we can see that running on water, he can do that. Right. Um, but compared, it's, it's compared to compared it's to Spider Man, like Spider Man is also like young, kind of annoying, quippy, you know, clever character. But Spider Man's mm-hmm. powers are perfectly suited to being a New York City superhero. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the Flash, you know, um, he could run every street in New York in like one point three seconds or something. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see sort of how I, I I've been pushing the idea that. By necessity, I think DC is going to have the mythological and the cosmic or galactic butting heads mm. reg- regularly because it, it, it's going to be hard for them to sustain a localized story like the Gotham stuff. And by the way, there's a couple uh, announcements uh, related to Batman and Gotham that we should get to um, uh, from the convention and around the convention and then have mythological stuff separately and then cosmic, Superman, galactic stuff separately. I think that's too much. And I think my... Uh, um, my last big question, uh, I mean, you, I don't, you may or may not have an answer, is, you know, both DC and Marvel are going super big uh, at the same time with Infinity War and Justice League, and they're on completely different tracks, and they're in completely different parts of their careers. I think WB has some advantages being, quote-unquote, young in this race. I think Marvel mm. obviously has some advantages in being so established in this race, although subpar Spider-Man uh, receipts... Um, I mean, if you take Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and Ant-Man, you know, the, the movies actually haven't been grossing as much, the Marvel movies, as maybe they expect would have expected a year or two ago. But if you just forget about the money, it'll be interesting to see if, when you add Thor to the equation and Star Wars, whether all of this space cosmic galactic stuff is going to be overwhelming to people, right? I mean, it's all, it's all in that yeah. six months. 
I mean, we can handle it. Me and yeah, you, we'll, um, we'll have no problem. But I'm just talking about the <laughs> average movie watcher. Yeah, <laughs> the average Joe. But the um, yeah, I think uh, every film genre though has its time, and we're certainly going to reach the end of the superhero boom. Um, but I don't think I think. Yeah, it's it is interesting that they've gone for galactic straight up. So it goes back to the idea of is it too soon? Because usually you you work with the heroes and you grow with them. Like the um, the kid from Brooklyn, all of a sudden has the star spangled banner on his uniform with a shield, and you've grown with him. You've seen him go face to face with bullies, all the way up to face to face with uh, the Red Skull and stuff. And we. We like that because we fight with them, and to have all of a sudden, instead of doing the working hard, well, not really, we're not doing any of the effort, but instead of seeing the effort that it takes for them to become strong enough to face the galactic level of danger, it's um, it's a dangerous area that uh, DC is is walking into. Um, it's interesting to see when they do this how they're going to have the solo films play out because I would think if I was a part of a super team and I was facing a threat that could, you know, potentially harm the world, why would I face it alone? So they're going to have to be smart now that they already have the team established why they would, why they wouldn't have um, the whole justice league show up to a threat in an individual's film. And they did that well with Wonder Woman in that Wonder Woman was, um, you know, set in the past. You know, she couldn't call up on Superman or she couldn't call up on Batman. Uh, but when you're looking at um, Aquaman might be fine because Batman can't go help ba- Aquaman in the oceans. But maybe Wonder Woman could. I mean, we know Superman doesn't really need to breathe oxygen because he can be up in space and stuff. So Superman could go help when he comes back. But it's more the problem of any cyborg or flash film. How do we explain the Flash or Cyborg not asking for help when they're facing great issues and big villains and, and all those sorts of things? Batman is explainable because Batman's like, screw everyone else. I'm going to do it myself. I'm, I do things alone. I work alone. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the, it's, to have Galactic so soon in the DC run is, yeah, again, it's going to be dangerous, but it's still going to be cool. Is it going to be fun? I, I'm going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I, I think Marvel uh, with Infinity War may make a little bit more money just because they've got their model set up and it's in May. And, oh, yeah. You know. but, but now with Wonder Woman and Joss Whedon and just me understanding DC more, I actually think Justice League has the advantage in this battle for the following reasons. Yeah. One... DC, the connection between cosmic invasion and Earth, it's like always about to happen. It's like always mm. on, on the precipice. In Marvel, that's not how they operate. In Marvel, when there's an alien invasion in the comics, there's a big buildup that leads to you know Thanos or Galactus coming. And that's what's happening in Infinity War. I mean, they've literally been building this since the Thor movie in 2011, and arguably back to to Iron Man in 2008, right? This big battle. Mm. That's a lot more legwork than just being like, hey, we're the Justice League. We fight extraterrestrial threats that we don't understand all the time. Yeah. Um, B, 
it's much cooler to watch five awesome superheroes beat up a lot of bad guys than it is to watch 500 superheroes beat up yeah. a lot of bad guys. And I think the amount of coverage they need to get 30, 40, 50 Avengers in these fights, it's just going to feel like the Civil War airport battle, but on a bigger yeah. scale. And you know I wasn't a huge fan of that. Yeah. When you watch the Avengers... All you have to do is watch the Battle of New York in the first Avengers movie. That's it. That's six of them. That's all they need. It's the perfect amount, and they find just the right things for them to do with their power levels. Mm. Now, I'm not... Cyborg is the one I'm least familiar with his power level. The teleportation is awesome, and yeah. combined with the Flash, I have to imagine they're going to tag team some pretty ridiculous stuff. Um, I don't know how Batman is going to keep up as usual, but his gear looks pretty sick. So yeah, um, I don't know how Jason Momoa as Aquaman uh, crashes into a, an apartment building and surfs out the door in about half a second, but it looks amazing. Yeah. Um, so I don't really care. And so I think when you add Whedon and the fact that there's more, there was more positive momentum already to this movie than maybe some of us thought, I think Justice League, from an artistic standpoint has the advantage. I don't know if you agree with me on that, at least on the first Infinity War. Well, it's interesting you bring up the moment where, um, like, I was thinking about Cyborg and how he takes over the Bat vehicle in the in that big fight, wherever that fight is. Where's Batman? Why isn't he in the vehicle? What is he bringing to the table in this fight? We don't see him. We see Wonder Woman reaching for the sword. We see Flash helping her out with that. We see Aquaman surfing a dude outside. We also see... Um, in the first trailer, trailer it has Wonder Woman falling from the top of the screen, landing on this bridge, and there's um, Aquaman and I think Cyborg behind her. This fight sequence, Batman's missing. Like we do see him a little bit in the vehicles that he's driving, but what's he doing in this fight sequence? Like what is he? Like you're saying, he's bringing to the table. I think Batman's going to be off on his own for a short section yeah. of the movie. And that's going to give us Diana as the unquestioned leader. She's already mm. the field leader. But when Batman's not there, she's the unquestioned leader in everything, or should be. Um, yeah. And so I think they'll get separated maybe on purpose a little bit. Um, maybe they're the distraction while Batman plants all the C4 around the place. Yeah, or maybe there's just like some technology that he needs to infiltrate, and it's just easier if mm. he goes himself. And they, the other ones would be just too much of a distraction because they're 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 you know they're wrecking balls. The rest of them, I mean, yeah. they're just. And the thing is, you can say the same thing about the Avengers. I mean, Iron Man's punch, punch, punch. Captain America, Thor, they're all punch, punch, mm. punch. You know, uh, but at least with the Flash, you got some movement, um, which is what made it great on the television show. Yeah, um, and it does make a cool challenge for them to keep coming up with new ways to do cool flash stuff yeah I, I do need them to permanently retcon that going the speed of sound makes you travel time because if that were true then planes would be going in and out of time all constantly mm. at the speed it's of sound. not the speed of sound i think it's actually faster than that in that he's in the um, tv show it's not much faster but yeah yeah I, I, I don't know the science behind it, but it's it's it, first they explain it with um, parallel universes is that the universes vibrate at a different frequency, and that's why by changing his vibration he would be able to go across to parallel you know universes and stuff. But time travel, I'm not sure how that one's explained. <laughs> can't remember. You can't. You two go in fast and speed of light. Anyways, my 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 point being, 
if if, the, if they can keep the five of them as interesting as possible the whole time, I don't care as mm. what the bad guys are. You know, as long as the dialogue and character interaction is good between the heroes, everything else will be fine. Um, yeah, and so uh, you know, I, I think probably all the reshoots were just dialogue, was just dialogue stuff. Which is great. That's what you want. You don't want to have to reshoot action. I mean, it, that can be really no. expensive and difficult. Um, and and they often wait because they sometimes you can schedule the reshoots in a way that's more advantageous to the actors than the original shoot because it's down mm. the road. And so, like they were all together for a, a few weeks, uh, the crew, um, which doesn't always happen on the film. And they seem like they've got really good chemistry. And Gal, look, Gal is always sitting in the middle. She's always the one holding the microphone. They're doing exactly what they should do and just follow Gal Gadot's lead. If they keep following Gal Gadot yeah. and Patty Jenkins's lead, everything's going to be fine. It is. <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be better than fine. Keep calm and follow Gal. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I need gal. that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, just here it would just be WWGD. What would, what would Gal do? Yeah. No, no, it would be WWWD. <laughs> no. That's actually really clever. WWWD. Mm. Mm. I think I think there's do? I think there's money to be made there. Yeah, um, we've got a title for that pod, this podcast somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. WWWD featuring Brick Girl. Um, so all right, Brent. <laughs> so let's let's finish on the Marvel panel, which from a box office standpoint is worth many times the things we've talked about already. Mm. Um, I, I, we should point out, by the way, that it was a Warner Brothers like three-hour fest uh, Saturday afternoon at Comic-Con, uh, where they also had the Blade Runner trailer, a movie I continue to not be that excited about, Ready yeah, Player One, which I love. The I listened to the audiobook of Ready Player One because Will Wheaton read mm. it, who's friends, like close friends with Ernest Klein, the writer. Um, and it was spectacular. Um, it, but it, it's so... It's so tongue-in-cheek in the book that the blown-out special effects of Steven Spielberg, I don't know if it's really going to be the same property, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which is fine. Um, so Warner, Warner Brothers has other stuff to go. They should be very proud of Dunkirk. I know not everyone loves it. It's very dark uh, and, and depressing for long stretches, but uh, very well done. Um, but uh, any, any last thoughts about uh, Justice League before we move on to the nighttime with... Uh, with Team Marvel? No, uh, I've just, I think, I mean, I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm not as excited for it as, as the Wonder Woman film, but the fact that there is um, this idea that Wonder Woman could be the team leader, I think that's incredible. I mean, that's that's different from any other Justice League, uh, I guess, entertainment that I've seen before because it's always between Superman or Batman. And I, I like I like the way that this is going. Yeah, this is going. It's going. You know, my dad's first reaction to the Justice League trailer was he was just like, I don't want to share her with anyone else. <laughs> he, was like, <laughs> he was like, I don't want to see Wonder Woman another movie. I want to just see another Wonder Woman movie. I'm like, yeah, yeah. just keep her as like a, a single player. I mean, like, I don't see why not. I mean, if Wonder Woman ends up being the only thing that works for DC, then just keep giving us Wonder Woman films. I know. And she's the perfect employee, too. She's the sweetest, nicest, most caring thing, you you know? I mean, given who she is in real life. Um, you can't put a price tag on that. I will give it to Ezra Miller. He seemed like he was very, very friendly with the fans. And he was very... Mm. Um, he actually... He was sort of 
th- there next to her when the girl started crying and everything and he, yeah like, and gave, he was saying come join the like, justice league yeah, when you're ready you're super brave yeah. like yeah i was like oh um, I think his annoyingness on stage was uh, nerves mixed with excitement. I think he's oh, yeah. he just seems like a hyperkinetic personality to begin with, which you need for Barry Allen. And I think he's just like he's a kid just with just too much juice flowing, you know. Um, yeah. Which again, I will happily trade a slight bit of annoyingness for that level of energy boost into the film because. Energy Ben Affleck is not going to bring. He's going to bring it, r- really great yeah. acting in a lot of other things. But it makes he, sense as well for him to be a, a speedster. Oh yeah, and just be buzzing with energy and just yeah. being like, I don't really have any friends. So his his mind is always yeah. working so much faster than anyone else's. Yeah. And having the fanboy. You know, he's like Phil Coulson. He's like the, the embedded fanboy of, you know, he can't yeah. believe he's there. And like, oh my God, you're Batman. Like, I just, I love that line where he's like, I just run around and move um, people and run yeah, away. <laughs> I will give one more final thought in yes. that I feel like there is a missed opportunity here. They have Alfred as the guy in the chair. Who's so funny. Um, his, the Alfred lines in this are spectacular. He's funny, but it's a missed opportunity. For what? Oracle. <sighs> Is it not? Brittany, I want, you, I, want, I want you to raise your right hand right now, okay? Raise your right okay, hand. Okay, okay, raise my right hand. I, Brittany Howarth. I, Brittany Howarth. Am putting my faith. Am putting my faith. F- from now and forevermore. I am getting very worried. <laughs> with Joss Whedon. Oh yeah, faith in Joss Whedon, absolutely for Batgirl. But I that, think that's the pledge. Oh, was, well, I yeah. tried to, I tried to get us there. I, I got us four fifths of the way there. I'm yeah, I'm a very <laughs> skeptical person, but I do, I do have faith in that. I just think it's that his you jam. know, it's his jam. If, if ever I have an opportunity to bring out, you know, talk about Batgirl, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it. Oh, totally. <laughs> I, I just want to point out that they made an, a point of of saying on screen and in the interviews from Jeff Johns, Batgirl going into production earlier rather than later in, in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that Joss Whedon is doing the Justice League, A, as a favor to his friend, and B, mm-hmm. as a warm-up for Batgirl, okay? You have yeah. Joss Whedon doing the fucking Justice League it was a warm-up for, for your favorite property. You, you are the luckiest yeah. pro- you're the luckiest comic book fan in the world right now. I mean, I honestly. I am. I am. And me watching Logan was like the closest I'll ever get. And I had to wait 17 years for that to happen. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. You're be becoming a really big fan of Batgirl yourself. So oh, I mean, like, yes. Hey. It won't be. I'll, I'll enjoy Batgirl more. Logan was, was a brilliant movie, but Batgirl is going to be so rewatchable. Um, mm-hmm. All of his stuff is, you know. Um, I think that's part of the brilliance of Joss is that, you know, some movies are awesome on first viewing and then get less good with, with other viewings. And then some movies, like for me with the Guardians, Guardians one, I really, I didn't love it the first time I saw it. And then repeat viewings, I loved it, Guardians of the Galaxy. With yeah. Joss, is, it's like a, just a steady flow of liking and loving them, you know. Yeah. Not all at like a level 10 out of 10, but like... I saw Ultron, and I'm already like, I like this better than almost anyone else, and I'm going to see it over and over again and love it, you know? And the first mm-hmm. Avengers, too. It was like, it, and, and, he, it's, and it's because of, uh, you know, it, it, the, the, mix, the mix of the humor and the drama 
is never off kilter the way you know how in guardians 2 a little bit like sometimes it was maybe funny when it should have been serious and vice versa you know like a couple a couple points um josh is josh is good with that um and if his inner voice is oracle slash babs like for real oh my god I mean, he said he's like kind of a woman trapped in a man's body. That's how he feels sometimes. Seriously, that's why he writes. He writes so much for women. I mean, Mm. like eighty percent of the Buffy characters were were girls, pretty much. Mm. Uh, But um, uh, was I saying? Oh yeah, yeah. The the fact that Alfred's only slightly older than uh, uh, Bruce Wayne doesn't completely make sense. uh, But his yeah, that's true. His comedic delivery is great. And and we still hey there's still my prediction of the Oracle uh, tease. Um, oh yeah! In the mid credit, what if what if that was Whedon's one condition? He's like, I'm gonna do all this. I'm gonna pick up the, you know, but I want to tease Oracle. I gotta tease Oracle. <laughs> I reckon that'd be so cool if like all of a sudden Cyborg is picking up a transmission from someone in Gotham, and he's like, Ooh. Batman, does Oracle mean anything to you? And then cut off. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't realize that uh, that cyborg was from um, Star Lab. Um, but uh, cool. All right, we're going to do a hard turn here to the Marvel panel. I don't actually have that much to say, which is part of why I went on so long with the Defenders and and Justice League. <laughs> and Justice League. So, uh, in terms of all the Marvel stuff, uh, obviously we covered the Defenders. All the Marvel stuff at um, Comic Con. Um, I really liked the Thor trailer. It was sort of exactly what I was expected and it made me laugh at moments I didn't think it was going yeah. to, which is just Taika Waititi is brilliant. Um, mm. He's kind of turning Thor a little Ricky-ish if you've seen Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, no, I haven't, but I have uh, you read like... Brittany. Oh my God. It's like the best. It's the <laughs> I know, best. it's a New Zealand director, I'm pretty well, sure. Well, yeah, no, it was the best movie last but, year. My, for me, it was, my, it was my best movie last year, easily. I'm pretty sure the director was talking about Chris Hemsworth, saying that Chris Hemsworth has a great comedic timing that's great. underused. So, great. Yep. Well, what's so funny is, when you see Jason Momoa, he's just as crazy as you think Jason Momoa's going to be. When you see <laughs> Thor you think maybe he might act like someone like Jason Momoa and he's the exact opposite Chris Hemsworth yeah. in real life. He's, he's hilarious and he's, he's engaging socially, but it's very mm. subtle. It's very restrained. Um, but this, but the way they've molded Thor into a character that it, it thinks even higher of himself than he is, you know, mm. like he's the ultimate humble bragger Thor, you know, like yeah. he's he, like yeah. that, that's just his thing. Like he's really trying to be humble, but he's Thor. Mm. So he can't help but brag, <laughs> you yeah. know, but just a whole movie of rapport between him and Mark Ruffalo uh, about who beat who in the fight. I mean, that's, that's it. I'm sold. I don't really care about the rest. <laughs> Tessa Thompson looks gorgeous. She's going to be great. She was, should have been nominated for her role in Creed. Um, and she's mm. a fucking awesome, awesome actress. Um, also on the West World, which I don't watch, but people love that show. Um, and, uh, and and Tom Hiddleston, what can you say? Team Thor, it, it should be a shit show. Yeah, his his hair really looks like a wig, though, in the trailers. <laughs> who's, who, I'm looking who's? at his hair, Loki's, and I'm just like, ah. Oh, yeah. oh you think so? Huh. Yeah. I think he's just disheveled. I just honestly think it just looks like a wig. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Oh man, I hope I don't see that every time now. I mean, Loki always oh. kind of looks out of place, which is part of the the appeal of the character. Yeah. Um, I don't know what, you know, how they're going to do it 
this time. They're certainly not shying away from this being the Thor Guardians of the Thoracy or whatever, right? I mean, uh, yeah. I'm, it, it, which is fine. This is this is up more up my alley than Guardians, to be honest. Because mm. uh, you know, for spaceships, I prefer Star Wars. If I'm gonna if we go, you know, I know there's some spaceships in this, obviously, but if I'm gonna be going across the cosmos, I want Hulk and Thor and the you know mainline Marvel characters. Yeah. You know, is is right. just super fun. Um, and uh, I also think it's a bit of a misdirect. Cause I do think it's gonna get very serious at the end, and he's basically gonna die, and and you know, Thanos ah. is gonna be going crazy it has to the end of that trailer where she's like and what are you the god of and then thor's just leaping onto the scene crackling with electricity sort of like that the end of wonder woman is almost exactly phenomenal. like the end of wonder woman that's what i'm yeah. i'm wondering if they're getting nervous now they're like oh man like we accidentally like made sort of the same movie in some ways you know <laughs> <laughs> which wouldn't be a bad thing for them um yeah but that was but the first time um, she looks great. Amazing. As as you, you'd think that the horns coming out of her head, yeah. you'd think that they would be stupid, but they work. I mean, I love her costume. I mean, she looks great every anything and everything. I, she's like mm. you can make Kate Blanchett just wear look look yeah, and she's always regal and stunning and beautiful regardless of the character. Um, it's crazy to think when she played the elf queen Galadriel uh, like f- fifteen plus years ago that she was younger than i am now but like she was fairly young elizabeth mm-hmm. her, you know her first big role was just like in the late 90s she's so good she's gonna be a great villain i think she's I, i've been sort of predicting it's not just me but i kind of thought early on based on evidence and now i'm hearing other people say that they're basically making hella into an amalgamation with lady death and she's probably gonna end up being the bigger villain than thanos if it's if if you go to the comic books because thanos is just trying to win the affections of lady death uh yeah yeah i was gonna say that but then deadpool kind of steps in and they start dating (laughs) right right right. have you heard that like death and lady death and um and deadpool that's the thing I don't. I don't consider anything in Deadpool universe, comic book or screen, uh, as part of canon of anything. Like yeah, that's when you're in true. when you're in Deadpool land, you know what I mean. Which is part. They of have the, such a yeah. great opportunity with the Deadpool films, just to like make a mockery of their their yeah. their entertainment before anyone else does. Yeah. I think they should do that. I really think they should do a film where nearly every major like Avenger and stuff cameo, just to take the Mickey out of every everything they've done. Hmm. Anything really serious, like... They did it already. This is the problem. I said this before Guardians 2. Even previews for Guardians 2. It's like, Guardians 2 isn't going to be as good as Guardians 1, because part of what made Guardians 1 so great was that it was so different from anything we'd ever seen. So, there's no way they top Deadpool with Deadpool 2. Although, I guess, when you're going straight humor, you could have, like, a 21 Jump Street, 22 Drum Street situation where they're just both hilarious. Oh, I love those films. They were so stupid. I'm just angry that the Channing Tatum as Gambit doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I I was having a, a total gay orgasm over that possibility <laughs> i was having a a deadpool deadpool ass unicorn orgasm um yeah over channing tatum as my favorite raging cajun oh my god some people hate gambit he's like a hated like like readers i mean some people hate i find that funny i think he's a great character oh he's, such god, a, he's such a big thing in the in the x-men universe 
And I just realized recently, he wears his headband like I wear mine. He has like a thick headband holding the hair back. I never even thought of yeah. that. But he's got the brown, you know, like twill tre- tw- trench coat. He's got the like the pink magenta, you know, suit of armor. And then the playing cards. But what's awesomer is he likes taking guys on hand to hand, even though he can just decimate them with the with his energy mm-hmm. power. So he carries a giant pole around just to just to mash people. Um, I really like heroes that do that. It's the same with Black Canary in that she can scream the same. house down, yeah. burst your eardrums. I think she's even made a man's head explode before, yeah. but she chooses not to. She's a very high-end fighter. Which works so well on the comic book page with her character because I've still been, you know, I've been still been keeping up with the bird, new Birds of Prey, which have been okay, but I, at least I've been reading them regularly, but is she has to like she talks so much that she has to remind herself to stop talking sometimes and use the canary sh- scream you know like, yeah like oh dun, 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 you know Diana like <laughs> not Diana, I cannot Diana, wait Diana. for Gotham City Sirens it's okay. gonna be so good oh we, we miss oh sorry we had pause on Avengers talk I've got I've got some good news and I've got some good slash bad news about the bad Uh-oh. news all right first the good news. Yeah. Batgirl is happening sooner rather than later. It's probably not going to come yeah. out till 2019, but it's on yeah. the fast track. It's in since Wonder Woman was announced to come out December 2019. My guess is Batgirl is looking like early, like maybe like a February March release in 2019, which is brilliant. Yeah. Okay, that's the good news. The other good news is Ben Affleck swears that he's the Batman, at least for the Batman movie. And but he doth protest too much a little bit, I thought, and he was like overly defensive, like he thought he wasn't going to get asked that question by Chris Hardwick. I, I, I think maybe Ben Affleck is just a, um, he's not great with people, and so he doesn't think. I don't, like basically, what I'm saying is, I'm trying to find ways for him not to be a dick about this yeah. whole situation. Yeah, and, you know, and just be humble. Um, and be thankful that like Gal Gadot is taking all the pressure off of him, basically. I mm. mean, p- pressure removed, right? I mean, the fact that he was maybe not going to be in the Batman movie didn't even register compared to how it would have six months ago. Um, mm. No, he's saying he's doing it, and he loves Matt Reeves, and Matt Reeves wants to do a trilogy like Christopher Nolan. So I think the bigger problem is Ben Affleck is old and getting older, um, and that's, that's the main problem. You know it would be great, though? Yeah. If they waited a couple of years, grabbed the kid from Gotham to play young Batman, everyone would be happy. So, people are speculating that part of the reason they're introducing the Flashpoint plot uh, to the Flash movie, which they've confirmed mostly, is to leave themselves the opportunity for, like, recasting roles and stuff like that, Mm. which is kind of brilliant. Um, I mean, that way um, Jared Leto can step down if he wanted to. Um, (laughs) Some people are actually saying that uh, they would prefer that he was a copycat Joker than the actual Joker, which, yeah, yeah, I think that would be good. But then, like, it just kind of ruins the Harley-Joker relationship because Harley would know. Maybe not. I mean, if you're purely nihilistic, then you sort of lose individuality. I've always treated the Jokers in my brain like they were different people because they just act and look so differently across the different media, you know? Like, Mark Hamill's Joker isn't the same, you know? Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry? You okay? I was just saying the Joker is an idea because he is so... He's a virus. He's either a he's gangster a virus. or... Yeah, you should, a virus. You should, you should listen to m- me and my buddy Aaron. We did... um. 
uh, comment, uh, full audio commentaries for, I've done a lot of, of commentaries. You probably haven't had time to go back, but, um, I'm pretty good at them. It's like something I'm pretty good at. Anyways, uh, we did, uh, for Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. Um, in some ways, Dark Knight Rises would be, is more interesting to the listener because you guys have all seen Dark Knight a thousand times and we come up with some interesting Dark Knight Rises things that maybe you haven't thought of before. Um, mm. But mostly we have philosophical and political discussions about what's going on in the movie. And, you know, the, the, you know how the Batman has that, the special protocol that he just uses once at the end and then he has Morgan Freeman destroy, right? And, yeah. Um, well, he calls that the... Um, like the forest fire protocol or whatever, referring to Alfred's mm. story about the guy in World War II and in Vietnam, that it was just like a robber who was just you know, who would steal from people, uh, not even keep the stuff, and, they, and that was where the whole the, the whole story about you know some people just want to watch the world burn. Mm. Well, anyways, one of the unspoken things in the Dark Knight is that the Joker is a virus. He's a living, breathing virus. He does everything that a virus, on both a computer and in real life, do replicate copycats cause disease mm. unpredictable chaotic impossible to treat right i mean if you have copycats it's impossible to treat a virus yeah um, and that's how they they touch on that in um the gotham television series actually that it, it's it is a virus like it starts with this kid jerome um but then again it's really the epitome of the gotham virus that uh, is infects the Gotham villains, and that's why he, that is where the center of the worst people are. It is interesting, though, right? Because the Joker is smart enough and capable enough to cause problems for the planet if he wanted to, right? Now, for mm. storytelling purposes, at least in the movies, it's just been in Gotham. Um, but yeah, you know, um, I, I guess at certain points you just have to believe that you know that the cities are like kind of their own universes, which brings me to. Mm. Some very conflicting news that I can't piece together about Gotham City sirens. What I know is that it's definitely happening, but what I'm yeah. unsure about is whether David Ayer is doing it and whether he thinks he's doing it, whether he knows that he might not actually be doing it. <laughs> and it wasn't announced. It, it, they, they talked about it in the press junkets, but they didn't have it like a up on the screen apparently with Batgirl and like Wonder Woman two and stuff like that. And, you know, there was speculation about why wasn't he doing Suicide Squad 2? You know, why Gotham City Sirens? So, it's definitely happening. Margot's coming back. I hope they sort this out sooner than later. But this director mm. uh, uh, roundabout or whatever that's going on in D.C. Is, it must be frustrating for people who care more about this than than I do. I mean, that there, there are three directors in and out of The Flash, and they still don't have it. People were like, oh, they're yeah. going to announce The Flash director at Comic-Con. Nothing. I mean, nothing. Again, I'm, my last shot at Ezra Miller. Is it possible no one wants to work with him as the Flash? Or just no one can wrap their mind around the concept? I mean, the CW people have done it well at times, right? So why can't... I don't know why they why can't, they can't do it. And, you know, they had to replace Ben Affleck as um, the director there. Luckily, they've had stability in Aquaman. And I think, you know, again, the comparison with Aquaman and Patty Jenkins was they picked someone who had a great vision and they just let him go. And yeah. I'm assuming that the James Wan vision of Aquaman is going to be as awesome as it promises to be. Um, I think the Flash is going to be difficult because we've seen him. He's come back from the future. He's He says, am I too late? Am I too soon? Or something. She's the key, Bruce. And I think because he, because of that half dream sequence, half, I'm not sure what that was, like 
flash yeah. of future. I think, I think maybe there's a lot more restrictions on whoever does the flash film. Cause whatever the flash does it has to lead to that point where he goes back in time. So it's either in his origin film or it's going to be in a future. Maybe it's in the justice league where Bruce sends him back. Maybe whoever the key is, um, is is an important theme or a, an important key to the Justice League film. But somewhere along the line, we have to see Bruce or someone send the Flash back to uh, Dawn of Justice. So the trend right now is to start setting origin stories in the past because you don't have to worry about continuity as much. So mm. now this will bridge... Um, to keep moving the Marvel stuff forward a little bit, Captain Marvel's going to be set in the 90s. We're going to see younger Nick Fury before he had the eye knocked out. There's going to be, it's going to be related to the Kree-Skrull War, which is a super cosmic thing that I know very little about. I mean, I know the Kree, the blue bad guys from Guardians, Skrulls apparently can shapeshift and look like people. And so, you know, we're going to probably be seeing, um, I I hate the shapeshifting. I mean, when it's one, when it's Mystique, it's great but like when you have a whole race of shapeshifters like um yeah it, that might be a little too much like inception for me difficult you know? yeah but um but it would be way cooler to set the flash in the future that's what they should do put it in the future oh that's a great idea yeah put it like 2049 why not but i think that's the the interesting thing is if, if they do if the flash movie is in uh the the flashpoint do you know much about the Flashpoint storyline? So Matt has explained this to me on the podcast, and I wanted I'm, I, I want you to talk about this because I'm going to actually try and understand it now. Okay, so, so this is for the listeners, happens? people. This is important because this this could actually determine post Justice League where <laughs> where the that universe is headed. Mm. So what happens is that uh, it's the same storyline in um, in the television show along the lines of Flash's mom has been killed by the reverse Flash. So one night when he's particularly down on his luck and just really unhappy with how life is and how he's he's a hero, he does all this good stuff, and yet Barry's just like, I don't have anything good coming for me. So he decides he's going to go back in time and save his mom, but it's a butterfly effect. By saving his mom, which is in a timeline before Bruce's parents are shot, things change. Bruce dies instead. And then also, Superman isn't saved by the Kents. He's found by the government, by the American government. So Superman is locked away, and um, Bruce's dad, Thomas Wayne, becomes the Batman, whereas his mother, Martha, is sent to insanity and becomes the Joker. So that um, leads off to this very it, – it devastates so much by the Flash going back and doing that because not only that, he – the timeline changes so that um, the Atlanteans and Themyscirians meet to do a truce and it ends up with Aquaman and Wonder Woman having an affair. Mera is uns- upset. Diana kills Mera, which starts a feud, a war between Atlanteans and Themyscira. That war goes on and... I'd kind of like to see Gal Gadot kill Amber Heard. That would be hilarious. Yeah, well, there's actually a, a, a screen a still from the, from the animated film where Diana is holding the severed head 
of um, <laughs> Queen Mera. And that is the start of the war between Amazonians and the Atlanteans. That spills over into uh, our world, onto like our land and stuff. And the world is just devastated. It is horrible. Cyborg is in there as well. He's more a government. So his storyline doesn't change that much, Cyborg's. But he becomes more a government um, tool. And this, the story follows now, uh, now that Barry is in this world and he doesn't have his powers because the time, timeline's changed. He now is no longer the Flash. So he, he's trying to get his powers back to get things back to normal. All the while, the world is just being destroyed around him pretty much. Heroes aren't who they were. They, he has Bruce Wayne is dead and he has Superman locked in a like Area 51 or whatever it is. He has two of his closest friends, Diana and um, and Aquaman, and they are some brutal zooms. It's just it's such a twisted world and such a big iconic storyline in the Flash's um, history. So the easiest way to really, I guess, consume it is to find the animated movie. It's different from the others in that it's sort of got an anime look to it more than the um, the other styles of like um, Son of Batman and the Teen Titans. But uh, it's it's a good film and it's an easy way to just understand the storyline. The animated films of DC are really good, really good. Hmm. I'm just going to say this. I did not like the Flashpoint concept or execution in the show. I am willing to yeah, do weird. anything for good storytelling. Honestly, it, it doesn't need to be believable. So if they can use it to do great storytelling, I'm 100% behind it. But mm. time travel is by far the most difficult science fiction concept to pull off because there is no so many way loopholes. to rationalize it. Yeah. Because in order for the mechanism to make any sense, you're already contradicted and created yeah. the the the, the uh, an infinite loop paradox. Yeah. Um. And so, but my bigger problem was the you know as I talked about the season three obsession with Iris West. Like, Ugh. what if the end of season three was like the end of the world? So I actually cared. So like, if they're going to do Flashpoint, I want the stakes to be more than. The Waynes. I don't care about the Waynes anymore. Oh, I want, it is. It's the I stakes want, are yeah. the end of the world. Right, right, right. Point. No, I understand that, but I'm saying I like I, I want them to do that in a fun and creative way that mm. still personalizes it, but also just happens once. You know, I guess you know I can't blame well, at, the t- this TV show for yeah. doing it over and over again because that's how it is in the comics. Yeah. So, but look at it this way: if the Flash happens after the just don't, it, this is the incredible thing here. That means no one's there to stop Steppenwolf. There is no Justice League. So in the middle of this war, if they do this war between the Amazonians and the Atlanteans, there's no reason why Darkseid can just come down and all of a sudden there's a big monster that there's no way that they can fight and kill because they're all separate and they are not a team. So it kind of goes I, – I, I think it would be really interesting because it's revisiting um, a movie that they've made and being like, well, this could have happened mm-hmm. if, if The Flash had changed the timeline. I just, I just don't know why 
after in your second movie in this universe, you killed the most famous character. Well, Batman, I guess, is the most famous character. You kill Superman. In the second movie, you kill Superman. And then in like sixth or seventh, you flashpoint and erase everything. Like, that is not a good idea. It's not a good idea. Marvel has continuity between its movies. And they did realize, I I mean, maybe they decided on putting Carol Danvers in the 90s, Marvel that is, before hearing about Wonder Woman in World War One. Obviously, we've had... You know, we had Steve Rogers in World War II, but there's a very specific reason for that. The reason they're putting Captain Marvel in the 90s is for continuity reasons. And they want mm-hmm. her to be retroactively, because she's going to be so superpowered that she's going to be saving the day in, um, in Infinity War. It might not be till the second one, but, but Captain Marvel is going to be easily one of the big saviors of all of them. And so I mm-hmm. think it should get to have her or origin story by setting it much earlier. Um, in the 90s. I hope they don't do it just like the X-Men have been doing it just for like flair or whatever. You know, yeah. there's like real, real kind of point to it. I don't have much to say about Black Panther because I didn't see the sizzle real and I'm probably never going to see it. And I just, I want to like that movie so much, but I also want to be surprised by it. And I'm just looking forward to Thor. I've also heard the, the Infinity War footage everyone was blown away by. But, you know, with me, with Marvel right now, it's wait and see. It's certainly, mm-hmm. um, with DC, there's just that, you know, that, that feeling of newness and because of wonder woman it's like the first property that i've been super excited about since 20 since 2014 when we had guardians one and uh captain america the winter soldier so to loop it all yeah. the way back to the beginning yeah are you excited by any of the what we got from uh marvel from the weekend from marvel um definitely thor is making me excited for the marvel films again the I didn't get to see any of the sizzle reel or anything from Black Panther either, but Black Panther is definitely intriguing for me. But I think out of um, out of all the films and stuff, and this isn't even a trailer, but because I was so invested in the Young Justice animated series, when they released the images for season three, I was so happy, so excited. Young Justice is definitely one of the best animated television series out there and is something that has to be watched so good i think they just took it off netflix before i got to watch it i think i could be wrong. that was the trial run to try and get people involved in it again invested in it again see how it runs so now that they are no longer associated with cartoon network this is actually tweeted from them the writers are allowed to skew more adult and um, you can see, you can see on the Brit Girl uh, YouTube channel. I've already done a video about this, covering Ooh. all the superheroes you'll find in the images that have been released. Tell us where we can find that on the Brit Girl <laughs> Brit Girl what, YouTube channel. What, what, is <laughs> it B R I T T G I R L? You can also find it on the Nova Stream web Facebook page as well. So it's there, Nova Stream. And I just I go through the heroes and where they were in season two in season one but one thing i think is going to be really interesting is mm. batgirl isn't among them barbara gordon isn't there but she she's not a big player but she's present and between season one and season two there's a, a five years gap so i'm going to think that there's going to be another five years about that between season two season three and there's no reason why they couldn't do some uh they couldn't have the killing joke happen between those years in the middle of those years um, that's what I think would be really cool if they did that. Uh, and they can now that they're allowed to skew more adult, but there's like, it's, it, they've definitely got a really cool, cause they dropped off a potential like 
they left it on a cliffhanger for season two, even though they knew they weren't um, going forward at that time. They knew they didn't have the go for season three yet. Mm. So, uh, so that's really cool that they did that. And the fact that season two ended with such a heartbreaking moment, which I shall not spoil because some people <laughs> haven't seen it. Um, yeah, it's, it's such a welcome return and I cannot wait. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's less that I'm not uber excited about the Marvel stuff and more that I'm just more excited about comic book stuff in general this time of year than I normally mm. am. Um, when you bring, you know, specifically Logan and Wonder Woman um, together, uh, you know, and uh, and all the new faces in the equations, even the ones we didn't know. Like, I thought Petty Jenkins would do a great job. Now she's a major player in the entire universe, right? It affects everything. Yeah. Um, but I think again, I, th- I think jo- I think Joss Whedon wants Batgirl to himself. And if you think about it, like we talk about the Batverse, like two thirds of the Batverse in a couple of years from now is probably going to be female. I mean, there are just so yeah. many great Gotham characters. I mean, that's why they're doing Gotham City Sirens. Like you know, I mean, we've even, you know we've ta- we mentioned Canary, we mentioned Huntress. We, you know, haven't talked about Poison Ivy. I mean, there's like there's a bazil- you know a bazillion. And if Batgirl could be kind of the ringleader of all of that, because you're not going to have, you know, Batman movies are going to go all over the place, you know? I mean, even though it's always in Gotham, my main complaint about the Batman trilogy, Christopher Nolan, is in all three movies, at some point, he spends an extended period of time out of Gotham. And I thought that was a mistake, uh, especially in Dark Knight Rises, uh, in the middle, end of the movie. He should have just been in, locked away in Gotham somewhere the whole time. Um, and But I think in the movies, because he's in the Justice League, you know, like it's almost like Batgirl would be like, oh, hey guys, uh, Bruce is doing Justice League stuff, so we have to like keep this... Take care. T- take care of the, t- the yeah. town for the next, like, the next month or so. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I always wonder like, you know, the, the fact that the Marvel guys get along so well, like you could see in the trailer how well Thor and, and Ruff, um, Thor, and Ruff, Thor and Bruce Banner, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're rapport together. I wonder if they have like chemistry. I guess that's what casting directors do. And by the way, people out there, fun fact, 90 to 95 percent of all casting directors are women. And it's always been that way. And if you look at any movie, watch from like now till the end of the year, they're almost all going to be women, sometimes multiple women. And that's because women... <laughs> are better at sizing up people's personalities quicker, more efficiently, and uh, more accurately than men. Um, or some women are, I should say. Um, and, uh, and they make excellent casting directors. Um, and so I wonder if with the DC stuff, whether they're just going haphazardly or whether they're screen testing some of these. You know what I mean? Like, are they going to screen test the Batgirl actress off of Harley Quinn, off of Margot Robbie, even if they don't appear in the same movie together right away? You know, like, that would be smart. I don't know if they would do that. Um, um, I guess it depends on what her what her involvement in the in the future is, but mm, I, I reckon I'm, they would. Yeah. I just don't know where the money is going to come from. I mean, for t- to see Thor in six months, to see Thor, Black Panther, Avengers, Star Wars, Justice League. I'm probably missing a couple. 
but that's like one a month for like four, five, six months of movies that all want to make a billion or more dollars. Yeah. I don't know if that money's there, to be honest with you. And by the way, yeah, we're not even talking about Mary choice. Poppins and stuff. I mean, Mary Poppins is going to make a billion dollars. I don't know when that comes out, but like, yeah. Disney has at least three or four other billion dollar movies in the next year that, that we probably don't even know about. They're, they're casting a live action Aladdin and Lion King movie. I mean, they're just printing mm. money at Disney. So I, I don't know. Do you think this could be the beginning even if all these movies are awesome <laughs> the, uh, the industry starting to cannibalize itself um a little bit or do you, do you feel like there's enough to go around here well i think because it's coming out around november it for us that's the christmas holidays so with uh that's thor ragnarok and uh the justice league films mm. so because they're coming out near christmas for us i think that's a really good because um well, actually, you know more about where the money's coming from. I would hope that there, there would be a significant amount of money coming from Australia uh, yes. with, with generally with films. Um, but it used to be so one per month. It used to be like one in November. It would be like Hunger Games or yeah. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings in November. And then maybe two in December. Um, mm. And remember, Star Wars is a pretty new thing, you know, so... To go from not having a Star Wars movie making one to two billion dollars a year to having one affects the entire industry. Yeah. And I think with with movie tickets being quite expensive in Australia, it might be difficult to have people go to multiple. But also it is all the all the rage. It's all all the craze or whatever. People want to see the next superhero film. It's just something that people are into that it's just the general public like because it's something that you can go to and enjoy with your friends or with your kids and and now with women um, taking more significant roles in these films, it's something they're going to, that the guys are going to take their girlfriends to. Um, and, and well, I, I would assume girls are going to be like dragging their boyfriends to as well. And I think um, it's not, it might affect the, the box office and stuff, having them so close together because uh, for example, for me to get VMAX in Australia, it can cost, I think, $19 just to get a ticket. Wow. Um, that's at the cinema near me. If I was living on the south side near my old cinema, it would be $6.50 if I was a member. Hmm. Um, so, it can be quite pricey. And if I, if I put popcorn and drinks on top of that, that's nearly – uh, that's an extra twenty bucks. So never. I'm I'm hitting forty bucks. Only when and this I'm is desperate. on a student card as well, by the way. Wait, so. when you saying bucks? Which which bucks are you talking about? My buck, our bucks, or your bucks? Australian dollars. So, so when you're talking about comic books, were, were you talking about Australian dollar prices? So if we look at comic books, to give a bit of an example of the the dollar value difference, your uh, your single issues are usually around three ninety nine or something like that. Uh-huh. Three dollars. Ours are around six ninety nine, seven dollars for a single issue. And what's the, and what's that, the currency because, conversion? I'm not sure what the conversion is, but that would also include like you know, uh, you've got to ship it a bit more to get over here. Yeah. I would assume. Oh yeah. If you're printing in America. Yeah, actually, so, cool. um, and it's interesting in Amsterdam and uh, Denmark. The, the comic book shops, the graphic novels were marked up, and those currencies are very expensive currencies. But given how expensive the currency was, it wasn't really that much more money. But then again, shipping to Northern Europe is different than shipping to uh, mm. Australia. I mean, they, we print in Europe. Actually, we must print in Australia. Yeah, there must be, there must be local so, printers. right now, one Australian dollar will buy 80 US cents. 
So, so okay. So yeah, you're you are still yeah you're yeah. paying you're paying like a dollar more per comic book basically. Yeah, but um, well, I think they hike the prices up a little bit more in Australia. Things can uh. get a little bit pricey. For example, um, a trade that I bought recently was forty two dollars, I think, mm-hmm. and it, that was a Nightwing comic. So it is it is kind of pricey in that sense. And if you're looking if you're comparing comic books to regular novels and stuff, you'll think, Oh my goodness, that's so much money out of my back pocket. But one thing like I have to take into account is there's so much more involved in comic books. Not only do you have the story writer, but you've got the the um the panel artist, you've got the liner, you've got the inker as um the colour artist as well. There's so much more involved in, in making a comic book and they put them out weekly or bi weekly. So quicker i mean i i hate having to rely on the digital comic book the bottom line is i couldn't find or pay for as many comics as i have if i didn't buy a lot of digital comics yeah and i get comiXology unlimited which is 5.99 a month it does not have a lot of dc titles but it does have a ton of marvel and other uh like third party companies like i've got like both volumes of the original JJ. I've got Captain Marvel, Miss um, um, uh, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel. All mm. of these, I, I just you get to borrow and keep on your thing for as long as you want for five ninety nine a month. So if you specifically wanted to catch up on some of the cool Marvel stuff, I would recommend it. DC's not there. I don't know if DC offers their own um, online. Well, I I have a DC um, comic app. I don't have to pay for a subscription. I just buy the comics. So recently, I actually, uh, just because you were saying it was a good storyline, I bought one of the comics regarding um, Batgirl and Supergirl. So I got one of them. Uh, There's quite often, there's a lot of free ones going. So I got two free Wonder Woman Woman comics. Mm -hmm. And one of them actually had the one where the snake bit uh, Diana. Oh, yeah. So it's it starting off with that. And that. Um, to, to answer that question from a couple of podcasts uh, before, the reason why the snake, I believe, it, how you were saying, comes out of the wound and talks to Diana, I think it does that because it's her connection to the gods. It's the way the gods communicate with yeah. Diana. Yeah, and you, you see that in, in yeah. the first comic because that's how the, um, the yeah, priestess chats with diana saying um how are you feeling and talking about her her uh prayers and stuff i just i, I i'm so happy that it looks super cartoonish snake because i'm terrified of snakes oh really <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm terrified of snakes and I, I lived in the kalahari desert for five months as well smartly you know yeah. terrified you of would snakes. uh you wouldn't do that well in australia then <laughs> well okay so I promise to end on a goofy note. So Australia has, I, I hear so many stories of, 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 of horrors of nature in Australia. Like your country is literally trying to kill you in every way possible. Oh yeah. But I mean, it's not just the animals. It's also yeah. like, uh, skin cancer is really high here. Oh, so yeah. we're getting killed by the sun. Yeah. You better uh, use sunscreen. Flooding. Oh, I yeah. yeah. Well, either I don't go outside or yeah. I am bathed that's in me. sunscreen. Yeah, that's me. Um, but there's also uh, it floods a lot, especially up in Brisbane in 2012. Uh, yeah, we got a lot of sharks, but they're more in the western co- uh, Western Australia. We get a lot of crocodiles in the Northern Territory up north of Australia. Mm-hmm. We've um, the blue ringed octopus is really bad. Jesus the Christ. worst, I think, is the. Irukandji jellyfish. 
I think it's poison has enough to kill 26 adults. Oh my god. That's a random number, but it's, uh, hang on, irukandji, jellyfish. Yeah. Coastline, while the box jellyfish is usually found in shallow water, is found in deep water. But yeah, we just got shocking things, Uh, (laughs) which is always good fun. Uh, So we really have to be careful where we swim. I think, I mean, you know, in the Kalahari Desert in Southern Africa, people think all of Africa is dangerous, and and a lot of areas are, but Southern Africa around the Kalahari Desert, South Africa, Botswana, Zambia, that's the most dangerous because they have the most number and kinds of large carnivores in the world. It has all the cats, right? And they'll all eat you if they're hungry enough. You can get... um, uh, charged by a thousand buffalo in a herd and stampeded. You get killed by uh, crocodiles who you can't even see in the water and can move 45 miles an hour on land. So if you get within like 40 feet of water, you have to like, you can just like jump out and come at you. You can get accidentally killed by hippos just by being on the water because they're blind and they get scared very easily. And so even though they're vegetarians, (laughs) they'll snap you in half. And that was like some regular happening. While you're there, you get stomped on by elephants. Um, they, ha- they have the black mamba, which is the most aggressive uh, snake in the world. And, and Sorry, I was just thinking um, mastermind. Mastermind. The black mamba. The black mamba, <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what they call Kobe Bryant, too. Um, but uh, it's the only known snake that will repeatedly attempt to attack uh, prey without e- ever being provoked. Like it yeah. would just be angry, and I had a friend who was out in the, in the woods, a different part where I was out in the woods, and they had to like outrun in a truck a giant black mamba following behind oh. them. <laughs> and then, of course, there's the spiders. And the very first night I'm there, I'm in a hut, and I look up, and there are dozens of spiders on the top of the roof. Now, luckily, the roof it's it's a straw oh. hut, so the roof is like fifteen feet up or something. Mm. But they're still there, and they're all colors and sizes, and some are hairy. And I never remember my my house family was like, they were just like, it's okay. The the bigger they are, the less dangerous they are. I'm like, what the fuck is that supposed to be? (laughs) It probably means you can see them and you can run away. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but then I can't see the ones that are really dangerous. Yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean. And it's amazing though. Every night, every night, I expect it to wake up. I expect every night for that first month, I expected to wake up and have a spider on my face or in the bed, and it never yeah. was. And I remember thinking, yeah. I was like, I'm going to get through four months in Africa. I can't be afraid of both spiders and snakes. So I just have to get over spiders. Although they had ants that were uh, like as long as your, as your middle finger, like mm. giant ants. So I've experienced some of that, but Australia does have a specific reputation. And I was listening to uh, Maud Garrett, who is some sort of media figure uh, that I came across. Uh, my, this will be my one quick weekly plug. I'll send it to you for final thoughts. I'm always looking for a good podcasts. Most podcasters annoy me, or it's just repetitive, or like too specific, you know. Like, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, but um, the half hour happy hour, which you can find on Nerdist for free every Monday morning. Um, America time uh, is Allison Hayslip, a longtime sort of actress and uh, hostess. She was in the first couple seasons.
seasons of The Voice, and she's acted in some movies, and she does social media stuff, and she's like a big nerd. She's like tied in with like the, the whole nerdist network, and she's very very funny, and she's buddies with. Mar- Garrett, is that's her la- that's her last name, right? Mar- yeah, Maud Garrett. Yeah, Maud Garrett, and I, and I'm like this Australian, and like they're best buds, and like when she goes to Australia, they hang out, and blah 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 blah, and that's how Allison got obsessed with these Australia like horror stories, and so they always start the show with some like crazy story of like something a giant yeah. spider did in Australia or whatever, and Maud was just like, oh yeah well, yeah, we, we wear that as a, we wear that as a badge of pride here. If I was just gonna say with um with Maud Garrett. She wouldn't be a true Australian if she didn't mention uh, drop bears. <laughs> drop bears? That sounds familiar. Drop bears. Have, yeah. have you heard of the Australian drop bear? I think I've heard of it, but I I'm, I'm, might have blocked it out of my memory. I can't remember. Okay. So the Australian drop bear is mm. um, related to uh, koalas, oh. but it is carnivorous. So, <laughs> no. yes. yeah. So I think she did mention this. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> It hangs out with the koalas up in the gum trees, but it will drop on you and it will attack your face. It yep. will, yes, it will attack your face. So, um, one of the things, and this sounds really funny and stupid, you know how people don't like Vegemite? Well, well, I like Vegemite. But that's one of the tricks to it is you actually put Vegemite on your face and it repels <laughs> drop bears. What's the opposite of first world problems? Third world problems? <laughs> Third world problems. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the um, that's the Australian drop bear. And uh, I might just be shunned from all Australians by saying that, but this is actually a false creature that every Australian will try and trick foreigners into believing. Uh... It is just an inside joke for Australians. We will, no matter who the tourist is, we will tell them about the drop bears and how you got to put Vegemite on your face. That's so also heard of toothpaste on your face. <laughs> that's so funny. Well, I've heard of koalas attacking people, so I, that's why I would believe uh, yeah. it immediately. Mm. <laughs> koalas are funny. Um, people like, they n- just, not only are they not bears, they're way more terrifying. dangerous than bears. Yeah. Mm. But then you also get kangaroos who are built oh, yeah. like boxes um there was a video that actually philip defranco mentioned in one of his news uh you know morning news shows that there was a kangaroo attacking this man's dog in australia so this man went out in the back punched this kangaroo across the face i'm surprised he walked away without any harm and the kangaroo let the dog go and was just like what the heck (laughs) he punched me and this kangaroo is massive like if you approach a male kangaroo it, it they are just really strong animals they can balance on their back tail and kick you with the legs and so that man was lucky to get away but yeah so even our australian um you know coat of arms are out to get us so uh so anyway so half hour happy hour crew uh and they they love tech the 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 the, the, it's her and this guy alex albrecht who's like a tech media personality and uh he's like his whole house is solar powered he's got a tesla that like, can drive itself and runs on zero gas and all this so they're always talking about like crazy technology mixed with like horror stories from but you know what's great about listening to weekly podcasts is th- these stories pay off over time if they're doing their job so six months ago they talk about this guy in australia that had to go hospitalized because a spider bit his dick in <laughs> an outhouse yeah i think i've heard that one and then six months later, the same guy in a different outhouse 
got bit by another spider on the penis. No! And had to go back to the hospital. Mate! That's the best oh. recommendation I can give you for this podcast, is that they, oh, they, they that track the that down. Oh. <laughs> that bloke is the worst luck. I No. Oh. And on that... <laughs> All right, Britt. Well, thank you for being here for my number 100. Um, any final thoughts about anything we've said? Anything else? Um, and you got to plug yourself. Oh, yeah. Well, um, yeah, my name is Brittany, as I hopefully you guys knew as you were listening to this podcast. Otherwise, Trust I would just say strange <laughs> female voice on the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, you oh, can and you do sound like Maud, by the way. You do sound exactly very similar to her. Very similar. That's, yeah. yeah. Well, Maud Garrett is amazing her and this other lady named runs a gaming show in australia they are like i want their jobs so they better watch out um but yeah nice. uh you can catch some of my own uh self-funded videos on uh brick girl on youtube b-r-i-t-t-g-i-r-l you can also find some of my stuff on the NovaStream network. You can find them on Facebook at NovaStreamAU. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Brit underscore snippets. However, I do post a lot more on Instagram, which is just Brittany J. Howarth. Mm. Um, what else is there? I think that's I think that's a pretty good plug. We did do a really fun cosplay video and uh, photo shoot the other week with Nova Stream. So if you like cosplay and you like Harley Quinn, go check mm-hmm. that one out. And there is more to come with that cosplayer. It will come out later this year. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll put that all up in the copy. And um, uh, I've tried to stay on top of posting some of your guys' videos and stuff on the Bizzlecast uh, page. So I will continue trying to do so. So uh, thank awesome. you for being here. As always, we had a lot of ground to cover, but we've got the good news is we've got a lot of predictions out there now, so we can yeah. we can we can gauge them a, a few months down. Um, it's yeah. just kind of a waiting game at this point, right? I mean, we're just now mm-hmm. no, we know we know everything we need to know. I, I think. In fact, I'm going to go out of my way to not watch. I think Star Wars trailers. I'm going to try it. I wasn't able to do it up to now, but I'm going to maybe try. <laughs> An well, good luck. May the yeah. force be with you. I don't think that's going to work. So, Black <laughs> Panther, maybe avoid Black Panther trailers. Um, but uh, yeah. So, what's uh, what's the thing you are most excited for uh, coming up? That's not a comic book movie. Oh gee. Um, gosh, what am I most excited for? Um, Music festival. Well, oh, it's winter. There. Honestly, that. Yeah. oh no, that's comic book related as well. Yeah. No, I don't actually like music festivals. I feel I I did um I was a camera lady at Splendor in the Grass back in 2015, I think it was. Okay. And it really just showed me how hypocritical my generation is. And <laughs> honestly, you you'd go into the festival and all of them would be like, "Yeah, green earth, nature loving. We got our solar panels and stuff like that." Mm-hmm. And then because they, I would have to be at the festival um, probably half an hour to an hour before everyone else got in. Mm-hmm. There was rubbish everywhere. Yep. Like barely any of the festival goers used the bins or anything, and it was just feral. Mm. And oh, mm. not a fan. Not well, a fan. Unfortunately. I do appreciate hearing that from the mouth of a millennial, however. Because <laughs> <laughs> we grumble like old people all the time. We're like, oh, the millennials. Oh, man. No, the, 
<laughs> do I just need to get like sound like um what are what are Marge Simpson sisters? Oh, the millennials, <laughs> they're such horrible kids. <laughs> yeah, that was a and terrible then, impersonation. <laughs> Uh, but then you then you realize that no matter what generation it is, age eighteen to twenty seven is just insufferable. <laughs> when you're older, because you're like, yeah. ah, you're young and you're free and you don't understand taxes and how horrible things are. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and apparently throwing rubbish all over the place at uh, at green festivals. Yeah. So let's work on that, guys. Come on, one one, yeah. one thing at a time. So cool. All right. Well, thank you again for being on Brit. We hope to have you on thank again you soon. I'm hoping yeah. in the next three or four months we get some more definitive Batgirl stuff. I, it's probably that we won't until after Justice League is my guess mm. because they'll want everyone focused. Um, well, as we can see, I can talk um, like hours on end on the smallest Batgirl information. So even if we don't have more news, I oh, mean... the book club. Oh, we've denounced the book club. So guys, I'm oh, going to yeah. announce this in text, but Brittany and I are reading all... Well, I actually ended up getting all five uh, volumes, five graphic novels of the Babs New 52 uh, by Gail Simone. Um, mm-hmm. I've read the first one all the way through once, and I've read uh, through it again. I'm in the middle of the second one. Um, it's mostly really good stuff. We know that Joss is pulling from it. I, I think co- color palette wise, even though it's p- still purple, it's better to go a little darker with Babs. Uh, mm-hmm. New 52 look uh, on screen will work with the Snyder vision a little bit better, I think, than the than the bright purple. Um, but uh, the volume three, of course, is Death of the, uh, Death of the Family, um, and so. The- yeah. best volume out of all those it yeah. is the pinnacle of that wait. series and so we are going to uh do a like a book club episode centered around uh them and so i'll announce you know ahead of time guys you know pick up these you know definitely pick up volume one and volume three um those will probably be the ones mm-hmm. we talk about the most uh but we will we'll, we'll talk about the series and if something you guys are into we'll do more in the future been wanting to do that forever uh, but Batgirl's given me a great reason um to uh, get so back into comics and, and my, my, my final thought is just that how lucky am i that my biggest problem is that i'm waiting for Batgirl and all i have is supergirl jessica jones and wonder woman <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's all I got. I just got Supergirl, Jessica Jones, Wonder Woman. I mean, you know, I mean, oh God, it's a beautiful time to be alive. And by the way, Jessica Jones is the one I want to be like my my drinking buddy. But uh, Melissa Benoist is the one you take home to mom and dad. Oh. <laughs> she's like the sweetheart, Absolutely. right? Yeah, yeah. She's Absolutely. like the sweetheart, and she, but she puts on her glasses and like face all crinkles up she does a great job by the way of of moving between identities like i totally buy the transformation with with her um yeah was oh you said you had the theory with her coming into the movie we can save that for another time oh no it was just the red shoulder thing people were saying that it could either be superman or supergirl it's a bit of fun but i guess on the the lines just to balance off what you were saying if um i would probably take dick grayson home and have jason todd as a drinking buddy (laughs) Nice. I think that, that that would be, I don't know what dangerous stuff Jason Todd would get into, but I feel like it would be hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Well, I couldn't date Babs because she'd be thinking way too fast for me. I could never keep up with her, I mean. Oh, she yeah. is a wonderful person. In oh, the, no, volume, the human I being just read. side, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But she's like, she both knows how to medically, because Nightwing just rocks up, beaten, mm. half beaten to death on her doorstep. Step. So she knows how to medically take care of him. All the yeah. while making soup, she has homemade bread in the oven, and she's on the laptop 
aware of in, in like is it encroaching doom of like SWAT team trying to infiltrate the clock tower. So she's doing all these things at once. And she's like, God. why? You're so good. You're so cool. Man, I wonder if they'll almost try like a limitless kind of thing where like her brain's working so fast that things are moving in like mm. different speeds or something, you know? Well, she um, has an iodetic, iodetic, I'm pretty sure that's yeah. how you pronounce it, memory. Mm. So that'd be, I really want them to focus on that. They do it really well in the, um, yeah. Uh, the more recent ones, just after after the New Fifty Two, in that that run of comic books, they do it really cool how they focus on that perfect memory. I I loved. I know a lot of people didn't like the movie, but in the first Sherlock Holmes movie with Robert Downey Jr., the way they did the mm-hmm. scenes where his brain slowed everything down and analyzed it ahead of time, that would be something I might look at as a as a model to try not in that exact way obviously but yeah and then the fact that it would happen in real time afterwards but it wouldn't happen exactly as he calculated it you know yeah you just so all he, of a sudden yeah. that uh, bad girl's just like oh oh no and then yeah. she gets like clocked across the face <laughs> yeah. so there you have it people we ended as promised with brick girl on Batgirl. girl you've got to look forward to thank you Brittany. Thank you to Nova Stream, and thanks to all the Bizzlecast listeners, and we'll be talking at you later. Peace out. Bye.